1: Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start in ten, nine, eight, 9, You'll be fine.
2: It's time for Inside
1: the Gamecocks, the show! Built by the Barnabinium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown,
3: Carolina! Touchdown, Ace Sanders!
4: (laughs) Pressure! just dives in!
5: and Jamie Bradford.
6: All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama studios. They are the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks, Sinorama.com, Gamecock owned and operated in West Columbia by our friend, everybody's friend. Everybody knows Matt Vaughn. He's the man. He does so much for the community and the university, and we are honored to work with him and his team at Synorama. We are always honored to drink chicken cock. That's no problem. Uh, chicken cock whiskey, chicken cock bourbon, whatever floats your boat. You can go to the Chief Sports app and uh, click on the chicken cock button, and that will tell you where you can find it near you. If you type in your address, whatever liquor store has it in stock, that's that's where you'll go. It's pretty easy. Uh, chicken cock is our unofficial bourbon of Gamecock athletics, especially when you can't shoot free throws. Uh, and, of course, we are always built by the Barndo Code, the Barndominiumcode.com, where you can build your dream home. And, and some people's dream homes, by the way, you can build a soundproof room in these things. And when you can't shoot free throws, you could go bang your head against the wall and just scream all kinds of words that your kids shouldn't hear, and nobody will because you built your dream home with the dot com. Phil? JC, myself, JB here till two o'clock today. Uh, David Klonger will be here in fifteen minutes with the Post and Courier. He was all over the officials last night; they were bad. Pat Adams is terrible. I cannot figure out how that guy continues to call games, but he does. Um, that not is not necessarily why South Carolina lost the game, but um, but uh, we'll, so we'll get DC in on all that. Uh, late addition to the lineup today. Coming up at twelve o five, we hit on this yesterday. Daniel Kelly is a former scout with the New York Jets. You can go to firstroundmock.com. That's him. That's their. That's his business. And he thinks Spencer Rattler might be the best quarterback to come out in the 2024 draft. So, uh, courtesy of the hard work of the amazing Mad Dog Molinax, uh, Daniel Kelly will join us in one hour on our program. We'll ask him about that. We'll press him on it a little bit and get his thoughts on the rest of the quarterback's and how Spencer Rattler compares to those guys. And then Matt Anderson, who hosts the uh, Late Night Gamecock show, will be here around 1230 today. And uh, he'll spend the rest of the afternoon with us. Anxious to get his thoughts. He's a he's one of those basketball – he's our version of Ken Palm or Joe Lenardi around here. So, uh, anxious to get him in as well. We've got plenty of Carolina football to get to, and we are 30 days from the first pitch to be thrown at Founders Park. Gamecock baseball is right around the corner, guys. But, um, uh, by the way, more upsets in hoops. We'll get to all that here in just a little while, including that team in the upstate. They fell as well. So, Georgia walked into the Palmetto. The Peach State owns the Palmetto State today in college basketball. Uh, Georgia Tech went up there and beat the Tigers. And the Dogs, who are significantly better. There is no question. Mike White is a hell of a basketball coach. And uh, as the game went along last night, guys, I was texting my cousin – with, like, five minutes left in the game, I mean, I don't really need to say what Georgia was planning to do, right? We were creating dumb fouls, the Gamecocks were, uh, and Georgia knew that. South Carolina couldn't, at that point in time, buy a bucket. They couldn't stop them on defense without fouling. So what was Georgia going to do? We've we've seen this playbook out of Mike White before. He, he, he's a pretty good basketball coach. Dribble, drive. Either go to the free throw line because you're hitting them or make the basket because there's nothing that they can do about it. And they just continued to do that. Uh, it, it got the officials all out of whack. They couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, and, and South Carolina couldn't hit free throws. Uh, mainly it came down to a couple of players. Colin Murray Boyles uh, was only 4 of 10. And, uh, and Josh Gray couldn't hit one last night after sinking. I, maybe it's my fault. I might have jinxed him, guys, the last two days. Bragging on his two free throws over the weekend. They helped him beat Missouri. Uh, And when you combine those whatever they were eleven or twelve misses, they lost the game. And um, it it, and 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 look and y'all know me pretty well, right? I'm I I'm pretty honest about things and like to see the the positive side. That's that's not a good loss. It's just not. No,
7: there's no way to spend it.
6: No, there's not. And and look and and I'll and we I'm kind of talking over myself because I mentioned yesterday wouldn't be a killer. It's not a killer because it's it's January the seventeenth. There's a lot of basketball to play, but it's not a good loss because now you got to go get one back somewhere and where are you going to get it? Because, uh, JC Phil, I mean, we, we alluded to this the last two days around here, Arkansas is going to figure it out at some point. They're too good. And they did, uh, yesterday. I thought they were going to end up running away with that thing. And, and A&M, by the way, is really good too. And, and they were able to kind of uh, reel it back in and, and and make it a basketball game. Um, but you know Arkansas is off the Schneid now uh, and and they stopped that losing streak and although again it was closer than it needed to be they're off the Schneid and now the now Carolina's got to walk into Fayetteville and try to figure out how to beat them, and then you got Kentucky coming next week. So like when you lose games like this and you're you're a you know in the tournament, but you know one loss puts you back on the bubble. You know, now now they're playing from behind again. And that's just the nature of the beast. It just is what it is. You know, I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer. They can go beat Arkansas and they'll be okay. They can beat Kentucky. They'll be okay. Um, But the way that it stands today, it's not a good loss. And they're they're back behind the eight ball. So, bad, bad basketball last night by the Gamecocks and it cost them.
2: Well, look, here's one thing about this team that's a little bit troubling, but they've survived, is when they get a little momentum – and I don't think they, they slack up or let up and don't keep playing. I just think it's, it's the natural ebb and flow of a game. But they've got a bad habit of not putting their foot on people's throat. Um, and, and when they get a little momentum, let another team get back in. And I don't know why that is. It's probably just basketball. But last night, you're at 48-39. It's been a nip and tuck game since the beginning. Yeah, You get the sense South Carolina could take control. And then you let them outscore you 19 to three. Yeah. And can't hit the broadside of a barn. Tons of bad shots from three point land. Uh, the missed free throws are a nightmare. You know, this team's a better free throw shooting team than it is, particularly much, much Murray Boyles is a freshman. He's going to struggle. Josh Gray, uh, maybe a little fool's gold on the, uh, on the he hit. Uh, but I'll, you know. You can't take just can't be one of five or whatever. Uh, the turning point I thought too was uh, because it, uh, this team plays like that. And I was like, Well, Georgia will get back in it, but then Carolina needs to respond. Is when they had a chance to respond. What was it? Forty nine, forty five, and they got the flagrant. So you got two shots in the ball. Michi goes one for two, and then they didn't score. And Georgia comes right back, I think, and gets an and one and cuts it right back to three. At that point, you know, you hit those two free throws and then you make a shot. You're up nine again. You restore your lead. Order has been restored. And they just never responded, you know. And sure, it was close down the stretch and all that. And they they got kind of pulled a win two or whatever. But I I was worried about this game for a reason because Georgia has been – they're undefeated on the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't have to go to overtime to win at Missouri.
6: No, yeah. They just
2: went and beat them you know, yeah. and they got good depth and Mike White's a good coach. It's a good young basketball team, you know, and in a couple of years, everybody stays, you know, nowadays you know, but you know, it, it was a tough loss, but I don't think anybody guaranteed this team would never have a bad loss ever. Uh And we've seen a lot worse losses around here that have knocked the Gamecocks out of postseason. I'll take it if it's the SEC knocking them out, right? Because the SEC is good. But Georgia is not t- Tennessee or Alabama. Georgia is kind of the same place as a program, I'm coaching his second year. Uh, you know, you, South Carolina's had great success against them. And it's not like – I would have i would accepted the loss a little bit better last night, too, uh, had Georgia kind of had control of the game from the start, you know, and Carolina never quite got it going. But you're up 48-39. You've got to put your foot on their throat, and you you can't just. And, and this team's done. They did it at East Carolina and survived. Uh They've done it. You know they're up seven nothing at Missouri, and then Missouri controlled the game until the end.
4: Mm-hmm. You know
2: you got to, you got to keep. they're up eleven with the ball. And I'm sorry if that's yeah, I... at, but uh, yeah. Well, you and, know, and, and I just, you got to find that, that, that. If there's a problem with this team, it's that right
6: now. Yeah, yeah. I, look, you know, it's they, they. They honestly, I mean, and and it's what I what we talked about yesterday is true. I mean, it's absolutely true. Like, they really didn't play well at Missouri, but you survive in advance on the road, and and it's and and I did it. I did it yesterday, and I don't. I think I was right. I mean, you kind of dismiss some of. Of the you know of poor performance when you're on the road if you get out of there with a win because you just you survive in advance you survive in advance you survive in advance but but there's some things that when you and when we get Matt in you know Matt, Matt's a basketball guy and and I'll be anxious to have a a good quality basketball conversation with him. You know, going a little bit deeper than just the numbers. You know, six of twenty-six from long range, seventeen of thirty-two from the free throw line. Like, you know, it's not like they're going seventeen of thirty. First of all, they never shoot thirty-two free throws a game, which goes to show you. Last night was was really not well officiated. At the end of the day, I mean, when, when they called uh, forty-four fouls in the game. I mean, come on,
2: guys! Like, come on, what are we? The doing? flagrant on I mean, like, Michi was when they lost yeah. the ball. The flagrant was one of the worst calls like, I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and the fact and, you know, they freaking reviewed it and called yeah. it flagrant. What the hell was flagrant about that? Yeah. It wasn't like Michi ran up Like, when you got a breakaway and you undercut the guy, like he's got a clear layup, and you, that's a flagrant foul. The ball went 10 feet in the damn air. You know, Michi's just turning around to box him out. Number one, it wasn't even a foul. I didn't think. And then number two, it, it, it you know that being said, Michi Johnson has to start playing more under control. He's well, not he's not in control right now all the time. He needs and, to be in
6: control. Yeah, and I, and I and I and I agree with you. And 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 I I put that more on the system than I do on Michi. I mean, he the guy's four of seven from long range last night, six of eleven, and and you know I I, I feel like they have not done a very good job of moving the basketball and creating shots. It just, They just haven't. I mean, it, it, look, you can go 6 of 26 from long range. The only way to fix that is to stop doing what you're doing and, you know, dribbling around and playing kickout basket. I mean, we saw last night with B.J. Mack what B.J. Mack is good at, and we saw last night with B.J. Mack what B.J. Mack is not good at. B.J. Mack coming down the floor and firing up a three-pointer down five points with plenty of time on the clock and 25 seconds left on the shot clock. That ain't good. Why? Why, What are are we doing here? I mean, Michi's hot. Give him the ball and let him shoot it from long range if that's what you're planning to do. B.J. Mack is pretty good when you get him the ball in the post and you let him make a move. He's been proven that. Like, that's where he's good. And, And so I'm trying to figure out why this offense has been so disjointed. I understand what Coach Parrish is trying – I'm not banging on Coach Parrish here. That's not what I'm doing because uh, I i don't – like you can see his frustration on the sideline, you know, and, and because collectively they're just not doing some of the things that they were doing earlier in the year where they moved the basketball. I mean, they created a couple of good shots last night, three, four, five, six passes, bang. That's Carolina's offense. That's what they are. That's who they are. You know, like running down the floor, J.C. and Phil and – and just kind of, you know, dancing around and trying to dribble drive in there and then figure it out from there. That that does, that's not, they can't do that. Like, that's not them. And I, I so, you know, th- there's two things that happened last night. I want to make sure that these things don't get like, I, I don't want to, I don't want these to cross over. Okay. Because there's two sides to the game last night. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get Kloniger in. And South Carolina did not lose the game because of officiating at all. They lost the game because they couldn't hit shots and they couldn't hit free throws. That's why they lost. All right, and their disjointed offense that contributed to that. That's this side of it. the The other side of it is officiating on both on both ends. Mike White was frustrated too. But like those guys, the, you, you can't have a, groups like that calling basketball games, taking two hours and forty minutes to play a forty minute basketball game. That can't yeah. happen. Like, you know, well, and it's not because. Yeah, it's not because these guys are out here shoving each other all over the floor, like that's not what's. And then, and then you know, a guy picks up his foot and drags it three feet. Nothing, you know. So I'm trying to figure out, like, how do these guys? How does Pat Adams continue to end up in Columbia every week and he sucks every week? You know, like if Pat's watching this, I don't mean anything disrespectfully. I understand you're a very nice guy, but you're not a good official. You're just not. You're terrible. So like, this is this has got to change somehow the SEC
2: has a has a look in basketball and like in football where you have conference officials uh so I don't even think it's an FCC thing I think it's a college basketball thing and you hear it throughout the sport you do sometimes have very physical that's what that conference is built on physicality and athleticism. But as the league has gotten better and more skilled, and you can ask Mike Morgan about the NBA picks and the and the, the elite recruits and all that, as, as the league has gotten more skilled, it is much less a rock. Yeah, there used to be a lot of rock throwing contests in, in, in SEC basketball. It's a better brand of basketball overall at just about every school, and so and they're still not letting them play. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, um, you know, about it. So I, I I would like to see the entire sport swallow the whistle a little bit more and then the the flagrant thing where they go and review it is is absolutely asinine I mean it's it's like targeting in football but worse you know uh, I guess that's an emphasis this year you know I just have these things that they emphasize year to year that are confusing um quite frankly I'm not sure that the flagrant call on the joint. Uh, just to be honest with you, I don't think that anything, there was anything intentional about that whatsoever. Uh, and then they were about to call it on Carolina, some kind of hook and whatever. Uh, and, and if you look at the hook and whatever, that's not really what that kid did. He just had his arms tangled up, which happens in the sport. I mean, I played it, you know, a long time ago. Y'all remember how great I was, but uh, I played it, you know, and I get, I get sometimes you just get your arms tangled up. How can that be a foul? So I just, you know, to me, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. But, you know, hey, look, I do want to say this. Hats off to Georgia. Uh, yeah. Guys like Justin Hill worked clutch. You know, their center looked like he was going to be a problem early, but I thought Carolina did a good job slowing him. Uh, Damari and Abdul Rahim were good. Hats, uh, hats off to Mike White. Melendez, unfortunately, did that. But I, I, here's the stat. 25 for 32, 78% from the foul line for the yeah. Dawgs yeah. compared to, you know, 15 missed free throws for the Gamecocks, including, you know, Kyle Murray Boyles and Josh Gray. They're you know, Matt gets the line, but, you know, as far as your bangers and rebounders, the guys are going to get the and ones, you know, Murray uh Gray, Bosman's dunk. Those are your guys. When Murray Bulls and, and Gray go come out four for 15 from the line, it, it just gets really difficult. So, we need and, to and, and look, Michi too. Michi's miss on the flagrant, too, I thought was big because it just, you come away, you have a chance for four points, five points, and to get back up by nine, and you come away with one. I mean, Michi's a great free throw shooter. Don't miss that. Don't miss that.
6: Uh David Clonger is waiting patiently. We'll step aside, and DC will join us on this and more when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
8: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
5: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Boor. 20, 15, 10, 5.
3: Pitches it to Brewer,
1: turns to Cody, touchdown, number three of the
5: afternoon. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does For everybody else, whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience and service, second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise and it's done on time and they do it right the first time again you're not going to do any better than ryan brewer ryan brewer fence the website is ryanbrewer.net set up an appointment today tell them mike sent you
2: My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious.
8: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
5: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
6: It's 11 welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the BarndominiumCo.com and always served by Chicken Cock. Chicken Cock bourbon will keep you sane when you can't hit free throws. That is the tagline that was passed along to me this morning. David Cloninger joins us, the excellent and award-winning writer from the Post and Courier. What's up, man?
7: Really? Did, did you win something, Dave? Um, if I did, I didn't know about it. I mean... Oh. I suppose there's been a few over the past 25 years. They're, they're all down in the basement somewhere. I know there's
2: Ballcaster the Awards. Yeah, I got it. the know, I, I, I used to have to do that. So, anyway.
7: Man, I well, if like I mean, you didn't win anything,
2: they need to give you something. They're going to give you something,
7: Well, I mean, we'll I, I, I doubt anything they give me would be better than some of the uh, prizes I've won in trivia, bar trivia over the years. I have a four uh, can tower. A light looks like the Stanley Cup made out of bush light cans. Uh, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a amazing. surprise. And that's down <laughs> in the basement. So. Dude, that is priceless. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the best things I own. So, See? That's yeah, uh, you know, it's a It's been it was a late night and early morning to take the boy to school, but kind of getting back in the middle of the day flow. And, yeah, churned out a newsletter this morning about the uh, interesting officiating last night. I know you guys were talking about it earlier. And, yeah, it's it's the same points that uh, that I would make. I mean, I would love to blame officiating for that loss last night, but that's not the truth. I mean, and you guys have said it. You can't miss 15 free throws. Can't do it. Nope. And they did. That's what cost them the game. The officiating is an unfortunate side part of it. And I realize that a lot of people are like, well, why can't the SEC do better? Like, well, first of all, the SEC doesn't have their own group of officials. It's not like that. Right. officials are pretty much they can be they can have several contracts with several conferences at any time and a lot of them do they they work you know games wherever they can it's mostly a geographical thing where's the game who can we get there that's close Ted Valentine for instance lives in Mount Pleasant so that's why he does a lot of southeastern games but the fact is is that there's just some officials that you know you're going to see certain things in the game with Pat Adams As you guys saw from Twitter last night, I see his name on top of the scorecard, and you're like, it's going to be bad
0: because you know what's
7: going to happen. There's going to be – I mean, some guys call player control fouls. That's their thing. Some guys turn a blind eye to traveling and double dribbles. Okay. With Pat, it's always, I'm going to blow the whistle if I see contact, and then I'm going to decide what it was after I blow the whistle. Right. Every time. And with the, the the calls to the monitor last night, I mean, there were two right there where he blew the whistle and then didn't show hold up his fingers showing what, uh, what number the foul is on. He went to the monitor first. I'm like, that's not how it works. It's not. Yeah. But
4: yeah.
7: it's over. It's done with. South Carolina lost because they missed shots. You just got to go do better. Um, they're playing Arkansas on Saturday, which I think is the best atmosphere in the league. Uh, But Arkansas is not a very good basketball team. So South Carolina has got to go win that game because just from the numbers and the net and all that, last night was a quad three loss. Right. You can get over that real easy by winning a lot of games. But what you don't want to have to do is get there at March at the table and say you get left out of something and you look back at last night and say 15 missed free throws in a five-point game. It's like the Auburn football loss in 2011, even today, to quote the ball coach. Ah, that, that game still aggravates me. Yeah, it does me too. So.
2: Yeah, they'd have been Atlanta playing it. I mean, a, a very average Georgia team ended up going to play LSU. And then the next year was even worse. But when you lose to Florida in your division, it makes it a little different. But that Auburn game cost Carolina a second straight trip to Atlanta and that 2011 team probably, I don't know that they'd have beaten that LSU team because they were awfully good, but I think it would have been closer than 56 yeah, 17.
7: Yeah, I mean, right. I, not much couldn't be closer than that. that yeah, t-
2: no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Brutal day. But yeah, I, I want to yeah. stay to basketball, though, and not go down memory lane.
6: Although, yeah, I'm doing
2: that. <laughs> um, look, you know, none of the
6: memories are ever good, unfortunately.
2: I know. I'm like a rain, gamecock rain cloud.
6: But, I know. Uh, you, you could was, I'm like you the sad the and cycle real quick.
2: Like, if you had an encyclopedia, like I'm a walking encyclopedia, but I got a little rain cloud on my cover. Oh, sad. it's
7: it's it's like the the Care Bear with the, the cloud on his stomach. <laughs> oh, grumpy geez. bear. Yeah, <laughs> <Grubby it>. bear. <laughs>
2: um, so so where do they go from here? Yeah, I know Arkansas is not themselves, but they, they did get up off the schneid last night and beat AM. I almost blew it, but they they yeah. got a big lead. They held on, yeah, m came back and they held on. It is a tough place to play. South Carolina's won there. Frank Martin's team that got left out of the tournament won by 15 out there. And another one of Frank's teams won by two in a very mm-hmm. good game. Um, you know, what's the key? And, and how does this team, Dave, we were talking about them ball movement. JB uh, pointed that out when they were, they were kind of cooking. They were, they were moving it around. And when they're good on offense, they do. They make that extra pass uh, uh, Talon Cooper. And I think Murray boils is an elite passer uh, mm-hmm. as far as forwards go. Um He's shown it, you know. I mean, the last couple of games. How do they get back to that? how do How do you get some of these three? Because the it's been about been a while now since they've had a really good three point shooting game. Um, I think free throws is like is a lot like putting. I mean, it, it'll come back probably, but uh, you know, how, how do they get back to how do they find that mojo again? Because that's uh that's when this team's at its best, where they're knocking down open shots and moving the ball.
7: Yeah, and uh, you give credit to Georgia because I mean, Mike White teams are always very very. Uh, fundamental, they know yep. what their opponent's weaknesses are. And there was a lot of great defense in that game last night. The first half, you know, just every – but each team just fighting for buckets. And you consider that when Georgia, all they had to do was dump it inside to the big fella and he was going to go up and score. Because as we've known all year, guys, South Carolina just cannot handle that. They don't oh, have right. the horses to handle that. And no matter what you do scheme-wise, it doesn't make any of your players gain four inches of 50 pounds overnight it's just not going to work that way. But where last night was happening, you know, they were giving it to the big guy early. He was scoring. Okay. South Carolina started going inside early and it worked. Yeah. That yep. was the most surprising yep. thing. And they were going inside, getting tough baskets, getting to the free throw line. I thought, like and I already had the, the lead written up saying, you know, just because they've only shown that they can win one way, doesn't mean that they can't win another. And this is completely different because they actually – were getting a great post game when not many expect them to ever be able to do that because, again, it's physics. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that, because they were doing it and it was working, took it away from what they like to do, get it around the perimeter, make the extra pass. That offense is designed to open three-pointers because that's what they're good at. And you got to knock down the three-pointers, but they've really had no problem doing that this year because it's not just one guy. If you're depending on Michi to knock down eight threes a game, it's probably not going to be a great game. Great shooter, but that's a big, big task to do. So they have a lot of guys that can shoot threes. So maybe having the success inside last night kind of got them out of their rhythm when they had to go back to try to shoot themselves out of a hole. All of a sudden, the three-pointers just aren't going down. Losing Miles Studi did not help. He's one of your top guys that you got to have. He goes down with a shoulder injury, I think, with – 14 minutes to go, maybe 11 minutes to go. And we could be getting results of an MRI uh, today on that and we hope for the best. But then it's just, well, you know, you got to knock down shots and they didn't. So uh, in answer to your question, JC, just getting back to that, you go with what you know, which is opening up the three. Now that you have a little bit of success going inside, maybe you'll try to do that now. But now with Studi's injury throwing a wrench into the works How do you replace that? Do you put Zach Davis in as just kind of a one-off? Do you put in Jacoby Wright and say what he can't do on defense physically, it'll make up for with offense? Because as we saw at Missouri and a couple other times, Jacoby can hit a big shot every now and again. The New York County kids are known to make some big plays.
4: Oh, yeah.
7: (laughs) (laughs) So. It's not going to be easy. Arkansas's got a little bit of momentum right now, thinking that that went over A&M. Like, okay, all right, we've had a bad start to the season. We're going to get past it right now, and we're playing at home. South Carolina's got to go in there and get hot early. And really, I think there's one guy that can handle that, and it's Michi Johnson. Uh, you got to look at something like the Kentucky game last year and say when that guy gets hot early, he's not cooling off. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe they have to design a few things, especially if Miles Studi's going to miss this game or further, and say we've got to get this early. And even though they're going to be expecting it, you've got to go get it done. So um, saw a lot of good, and then being able to challenge in the post last night—that was completely unexpected. But Mac and Murray Boyles, even Josh Gray was getting something. He was being yeah. productive. It's just he missed free throws, you know,
6: didn't hit free throws, but yeah.
7: you had you, that was encouraging to see but they just didn't hit enough shots to win.
6: Yeah, I I agree with all that. Coming into the game in the three prior SEC basketball contests Carolina had participated in, they were shooting 79% from the free throw line. So, hmm. you know, what you're hoping for is that, that that you know, that was just one of those things. It was just one awesome. of those nights. Uh, yeah. And you, you brush it off and you move on. The problem is they don't get to be at home. They, they have to go, as you mentioned, to – to to Fayetteville, that that was my biggest thing. When you know, aside from the officiating and aside from the numbers, DC, I mean, I felt like this for a couple of games. the The Bama game, even the game at Missouri, it was it was kind of it was interesting because yet we spent yesterday and we spent Monday at times praising Josh Gray because had he not sank two free throws mm-hmm. in Columbia, Missouri, they lose the game, right. and, and and he did, you know, and then it, it he just couldn't get it going yesterday. So uh, don't want to put this loss on his shoulders necessarily because I felt like for three or four games. Now the offense in its entirety has just been disjointed. And, you know, you mentioned Michi, for instance, like I, there was a moment in the game last night. I want to get your thoughts on this exact play right here. Um, Cause you're, you're good. You're good at this. You remember all of them. It's late in the game, a few minutes left. Carolina's down five. They get the ball down the floor. They've got plenty of time. Uh, and with about 20 seconds on the shot clock, BJ Mack fires up a three pointer. He clanks it. Missouri runs back down the floor. I'm like, okay. The last Michi's hot. Like he's good. He's ready to go. Why are we firing up three pointers around here with 20 seconds on the clock with your four guy when your one and your two are are the ones you want shooting out there late in the game? Like those are the things that make me beat my head against the wall as much, if not more, than the missed free throws.
7: Sure, and 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 not to you know, um, you know, throw it at you, Jamie. But no, no, no. This, yeah. The shot goes down. Like, oh, well.
6: Nobody's talking about it. So it.
7: yeah, the, the reason is this. One, you know, BJ is a big guy that doesn't play big. Yes, he can get in there and bang around in the post, but his strength at Wofford was being versatile, that he could shoot the three-pointer. And not just, oh, we'll do this as a lark. You know, he's late trailing on the player. We'll kick it back up to him, the top of the th- uh, key, and he'll shoot it up. Kind of like if you remember last year, the women did that with Aliyah Boston a lot. She'd be trailing the play like, ah, oh, nobody thinks she can shoot the three. Oh, well, there it goes. B.J. can shoot the three and he can do it regularly. Now, he hadn't been hitting lately.
9: Yeah.
7: So, I get where that's the concern. So, why did he shoot that? One, it was open. And Lamont's always said, if it's open, take it. That's shoot what this it. office is designed to do. Two, Michi's your guy. Don't think Georgia didn't know that. Yeah. And just like Missouri did, every time he got the ball, he was drawing a double. Georgia didn't do it as much. They played mostly with a man-on-man, but every time Michi got it, they were kind of sagging with another guy a little behind him and say, okay, because you know Michi's range. He'll knock him down from from the logo. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, you know, really pigeonhole two people to say double team him every time because it's probably not going to work. He's still going to get the shot off. So I think combination of that, BJ can shoot that shot. It was open. It's like, You get it to Michi, you know that it's going to be guarded. It's going to be guarded, man. It wasn't yet at the point of if this doesn't go in, the people are going to say, how do you not have your best player with the ball in his hands at that point? There was still a lot of time left to go. So it happens. I mean, earlier they were down two points uh, because Michi made a big three, and they just couldn't get a stop on the end because that delved into the officiating a little bit. I still remember, uh, was it Demblay, No, number four, if, if I mis- mispronounce his name, I'm sorry. But number four got the ball out on the perimeter. Mac was out there on him, kind of put his hand in his chest, and the guy sold it like he'd been hit with a two-by-four.
6: Yeah. And, of course, head backwards. Yeah. referee
7: sat there and looked at it for two seconds Yep. and then blew the whistle. And I then thought. blew
6: the whistle, yeah.
7: Wow. He loves to blow that- the whistle. Yeah. And that, that was one that, that same referee, this was not Pat Adams, this was a Todd, I believe, was trying to go over there and Lamont's trying to talk to him. And you guys know Lamont, he doesn't get riled. He he doesn't he's not gonna chew your head off. He'll just stand there and try to calmly talk. And Todd's just shaking his head, like I don't hear it. Backing him off, backing him off. To which I was thinking, you know, not to get back into past memories, like, if you had done that to Frank, uh oh. he'd have had your head in his hands right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not not playing Lamont for because Lamont sideline demeanor is Lamont's, and I'm not saying it's good Way or bad because he's yeah. won a lot of games, but it, it's got to be frustrating for a coach when you know your team's getting screwed and you can't even talk to the ref about it. Uh,
6: that's 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 insane. It's asinine <laughs> that these guys can get away with that stuff. It's it's driven me nuts for years in baseball, David, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that we'll have this probably we'll have a deja vu moment in a few months uh, because it comes up every year in college baseball where these guys are telling the coaches to stay in the dugout, you know, Mark or whoever's like, I'm just trying to talk to you.
7: Yeah, and cool. it's just, it's it's about me. Now, this is where I actually am thankful that it was Pat and another crew last night instead of, say, Doug Shouse. Because Doug lives up to his last name. It's all about the show. Yeah. Even though it's pronounced Shouse, I'm the most important person in here. And you're going to do what I tell you to do. That guy comes into every game like somebody just hit him in the face he's always getting a bad mood. It's terrible, but it's like, this is what happens. And that gets back to my whole point of like, if we know what kind of game we're about to see because a certain official was on the floor, why doesn't the league do something about that and say, hey, we've got to get back to you guys. Just make the call, call the game. You're going to screw up. I mean, that's part of the game. That's just how it is. And with the rules, the way it is to say, we got to limit all this contact. You have to decide what's contact and what's not. I mean, BBV got stung for a block last night to where it looked to me like he jumped straight up.
2: I didn't even see him touch the guy. I but know it was what like, you talking about. Okay,
7: may, maybe on replay you saw him come at an angle, which by the rules is a foul. But some of these other times, you you know, USC gets a flagrant foul because they said Michi shoved a defenseless player in his back while he was in the air. Okay, I, I didn't see that. Happened to, on the very next trip down the floor to USC, no call. Yeah. Like, which is it, fellas? Which is it? So, again, <laughs> you, you hate to keep going back to it because, it, I mean, 15 missed free throws. But if you know that's going to happen, if you know what kind of game is going to be there, going back a ways to officials who may not do games anymore, Carl Hess, Jamie Lucky, Doug Sermons, Joe Lindsay, and you knew here's what you got to keep an eye on here. Like Joe Lindsey, master. Within the game's first five possessions, he was going to call three seconds on somebody every <laughs> single time. Because it's like, I got to do this just to make sure that they know that's still a rule. Like, how do you go into a game with a preconceived notion how it's going I, to be? I, I, and then I,
4: I, I, I this is that. a
7: problem of all officiating. You see fouls start to mount up for one side, foul disparities eight to two. You know what's happening next. Bang, foul, bang, foul, bang, foul. Because they all think we've got to even this up. We can't right. show partiality. I'm like, I don't know how the game's called. It's not. I think USC, uh, Georgia had not scored in the second half last night. USC yeah. was up seven. Three fouls in 31 seconds.
6: Yeah. Oh, it happened quick. And I know two of them were questionable at best. Yeah. So. I mean, re-
7: reaching a handout, which I'm like, well, you know, you're not supposed to extend your arm. like, what is that? If I'm reaching up to block a shot, that's extending my arm. Right. I mean, and, you know, you're not supposed to do this, but you can do this. Once they put in all this new contact stuff, it made it very, very gray for how you can call a play. So there's always going to be missed calls. There's nothing you can do about it. But the good thing is, at least the kids, at least publicly in Lamont, knowing that you can't complain about officiating or you get fined. All you can do is send in tape and hope it don't happen again. Just said, we'll look at it, but the main thing, miss shots. Mm-hmm. Get back in the lab, work on your miss shots. And, you know, free throws. <laughs> Josh missed five in a row, and that was disappointing, but he made those two big ones at Missouri. And at the end of the day, I was like, even with those two makes at Missouri, the guy came in hitting 50% for the year. Yeah. It happens. So I said, all right, there's an instructional video on YouTube. I want you all to watch just look for Rick Barry. Trust me on this. The guy don't miss. Just shelve your pride and shoot him like that, and you will not miss. I promise you won't miss. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Carolina will be back on the floor on Saturday at 1 o'clock against Arkansas and looking to rebound. They've That's a quad two opportunity. Uh, on the road in Fayetteville, and they need it now with that Quad 3 loss. Uh, it's their first Quad 3 or Quad 4 loss of the year, uh, but it did bump their net ranking back to 67. So they and, dropped 12 spots from yesterday.
7: And especially, you know, you don't hate to start looking at stack games, but next Tuesday in Columbia is a game of rather large import. So yeah, don't, don't need to be having two straight losses coming in for that game.
6: No, no. Yeah, you, you'd like to see if you can go get this one over there. and
7: Especially with a trip to Tennessee looming at the end of the month. It's just,
6: yeah. oh, it's I weird. mean,
7: I'm looking at Tennessee and thinking, you found this Dalton Connect kid at Northern Colorado?
4: Right. Who missed on him? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Ah,
2: yeah. Geez, that yeah. guy is Game- real. <laughs> Gamecocks have a guy coming in in a couple of years. It's a lot like that guy, Eli Ellis. So, um, I want to ask you one football question before I let you go uh, from your neck of the woods. Uh, James Coley gets here, and uh, within a week he offers Malik Clark, a wide receiver from Rock Hill High. I know that's your, it's the other side of town from you uh, and your Trojans, but uh, can you tell us anything about Malik Clark? Uh, I my opinion is based on film, but you probably have some insight, so I wanted to ask you about it.
7: Sure. Uh, Rangy athlete. Uh, he did play a little bit of defense while he was coming up. You know, kind of what they all do until they, they kind of pigeonhole you in a role in high school. Um, their, uh, Rocky Ohio's quarterback made a this year. He was one of the two guys up there. So that helped a lot with his development. Um, but watching him. OK, you know, it, it's going to sound bad. but only way I can make it say it. the past two games, rivalry games, Rocky Northwestern past two years. He stood out as much as he could be considering the results of the games. <laughs> you can look them up if you want, because they were very pretty to me, but probably not as much to the, the garnet <laughs> right. and black and wool on the other side yeah. of town there. But, you know, very, very um, – he gets a lot of good separation. Um, he's working on winning a lot of the 50-50 jump balls, which with his quarterback, there was a lot of that. But he's got some speed. he's a guy that can get loose. I believe he dabbled somewhat on a kick return uh, this past year. So, you know, good offer to have. Obviously, the staff here knows where you need to go, where some of the hotbeds of recruiting are in South Carolina. And, you know, I'm very proud of it, obviously. But fact remains, Rock Hill is one of those. So, got up there and they're recruiting him. Um, And apparently, uh, I haven't heard of anything else. And this late in the date, I'm guessing Bubba will be back at, at Rock Hill High next year. Uh, Bub is a stand-up guy, so he'll coach him up good, and uh, hopefully he'll he'll commit to that offer.
6: Uh, DC, I want to squeeze one a, a quick women's some quick women's stuff in with you real quick before we before we let you go too. Um, <laughs> J, uh, J.C., by the way, uh, took the under against Kentucky, so he lost big, uh, which. Does does Don I took look,
2: Kentucky he, plus? Yeah, he took
6: Kentucky to cover. Yeah, he took Kentucky yeah, to cover. He t- yeah. Or he took yeah, that's right. He took Kentucky to cover. Uh, a few <laughs> years ago, Kentucky was, you know, they, they were feeling good about themselves, uh, having some success. They had, you know, I know they had a couple folks up there who, who were beating their chest a little bit. Uh, has Don – You know, she keeps her seats. Does she? She ever mention <laughs> anything about the Wildcats? I mean, did she? I know she didn't let them get to the triple digits the other night. They could have. Uh, but uh, they did beat them by 62. Is it Was that by design? Or? Well,
7: I'll put it this way, man. I mean, she's not going to go into any game like that. Now, yes, there are some coaches that she does keep her seats about. There are some that she does not care for. And with Kentucky being the rival, they were made permanent opponents back in the last round of that, which was probably going on more than 10 years ago now. Yeah. So they play each other home and home. So I will say that under the previous coach, Matthew Mitchell at Kentucky, Yes, that got to be bad blood. I mean, it was it, it got personal. It got testy. Um, a lot of that was, was Matthew, who, credit to him, he really calmed down in the last years of his tenure. I don't think it's so much a case now. One, because Don really likes Kyra Easy, uh, Kentucky's new coach. Um, they've been having some struggles since Matthew stepped down. And that was kind of an emergency thing. Kyra was his assistant. She got the head job. He had a medical uh, problem, uh, bumped his head while he was out hiking, and he just had to step down. So they have not been what they've used to been since. So now, not to sound arrogant or just heap praise on USC women, but it's not much of a contest anymore. They've got some players. They do. Uh, AJ Petty who transferred in from LSU is a really good player. South Carolina was on that was the design for defense the other night say, Don't let her score. She scored two points. Maddie Shear, who's a Kentucky uh, native, she went to Oregon for a year, her freshman year, played with with a Tahina Pow Pow out there for a year as a matter of fact, and then transferred back home. She won you know, was homesick. She's a really good shooter, had a bad night the other night. I think she was three and nineteen from the field. Yeah. They've got some talent, but the problem that Kira is finding out is that she's done a really good job recruiting, but coaching's been a problem. They've had a lot of roster turnover over the years. So Dawn did keep receipts about Kentucky. There were times where not Dawn, but one of the assistants, every time they beat Matthew, she'd be like, we got our guy again. I'm like, but that's, that's cooled noticeably if it's even there at all they want to win because that's the win but you notice they could have easily scored a 100 and she's like don't I mean that's don't that's classless play. at this point she'd have done it to Matthew I got that's no doubt play. about that <laughs> But here's it's like it's, yeah, yeah there's no point in this just dribble out the shot clock I don't care about the turnover I don't
4: like, all, right. all right
7: but there, there, there's some others around the league around the country who are like okay if, if you're in position, you 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 channel the ball coach again and enough to win you got to be petty son well
6: well, do you think that i mean because these these next two here you know they people know about the trip to lsu next week college game day will be in town for that next Mm -hmm. thursday night and and that's going to be a lot of fun of course lsu was just upset by auburn a few days ago which was pretty shocking but but don't skip over what's coming up on sunday they're going to be in college station and uh and the Aggies aren't getting as you know a ton of love, but they are a pretty solid basketball team. This is number one walking into their house. So back to so back road trips. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a challenge for this group.
7: Well, absolutely. Man, you know, Joni's got a good team down there. They struggled a little. Last year was just a one-off. They replaced the legendary coach. You know, it was just a bad season last year. They started out rough this year, but they've got a good team down there. Um a lot of familiarity with Joni, obviously. Yeah. Uh, she was at Georgia and Joni's husband is Darius Taylor, who, who used to be on staff here. Uh, so a lot of familiarity there. Uh, Chloe Kitts and Raven Johnson played for Joni with Team USA over the summer. But it's another O game, it's another test, and then comes the LSU game. And, you know, it's I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's going to be a big one. And that would be one to where, if South Carolina is ahead at the end of the game, hmm, there's yeah. a chance to say, hey, uh, you may – May have a nice shiny new banner hanging there in the gym, but still can't beat me. Still can't, That's so, got be, yeah. but you got to go do that. So, yeah, it'll it, it will be a very, very intense game, especially because LSU knows, hey, you're one down in the standings right now. Mm-hmm. If you win, you're even, but you got the tiebreaker. So, it'll be big for SEC tournament seating. And obviously, just by the numbers, fellas, just by the numbers, if South Carolina wins that game next Thursday, you can pretty much go and start putting the letters on the SEC regular season championship banner.
4: Yeah. yeah.
6: It, you
7: know,
4: mm.
7: There's not many else in this league that can that can stand toe to toe with them.
6: No, no. And the game after them, hats off to Vanderbilt. They're having a nice season, oh, yeah. 16 and two, but they got to come into CLA and. And that has not been kind to them over the years, as we all well know. But, uh, yeah, these next two on the road for Dawn's ladies, it's going to be a test. We'll be anxious to see what it looks like. And, again, college game day. We'll be down there in Baton Rouge next week. So, uh, looking forward to that. D.C., we're 30 days from Gamecock baseball. What uh, I know you I know you got something brewing over the next couple of weeks uh, covering Mark Kingston's club. What are we looking for?
7: Nah, a couple things. I got It's not baseball, but a really nice story uh, going to be running Saturday. So, keep your eyes out for that one. Involved one of the men's basketball players, but baseball. Okay. Yeah, I got to start getting my eyes around him because I've already done Ethan Petrie's uh, you know, background. I've already done Cole Messina and the mullet, which he cut off soon after I wrote that story. Which <laughs> I was like, sucks. really, man, you, you gonna blame this on me? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, guys, um, you know, uh, you know, obviously, we, we saw the D1 baseball top 25, yeah. So you know, Kendall Rogers and I go back years. We hung out all the time during those three Omaha trips and he and Aaron do a great job. Mm-hmm. So of course, jokingly, because, you know, Kendall's like, of course I hate your favorite team. Yeah. I just texted him as a reporter. I was like 25th, huh? I suppose next week you'll have him ranked below the groundskeeper. <laughs> he's like, yeah, no. no, but we talk, and he's got the same thoughts that I do. It's like the pitching is so unknown right now. You just don't know now. I hey. think they're a great team, probably top 20. That's me. I'm not surprised to see them there. And I think that they got in with those pitching questions is like, all right, that's just a sign of respect. So it's, it's early season polls. They don't mean anything. But what South Carolina's going to have to do is make a lot of hay early, figure out those pitching questions. And really you've only got two weeks worth to do it because you don't want to be tinkering during the Clemson series. Right. You, you don't want to do that. So, you've got that, but they've got the arms. They've just got to figure out where they go.
6: That's right. I completely yeah.
7: agree with what Aaron said. It's like, I think you've got three uh, Saturday-Sunday starters on that stat, but you don't have a Friday guy right now.
6: Right now, yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I saw what he said, and I, I agree with it. I agree 100%. I. Game Baseball, uh, they're going to have to earn their stripes early. And they got the guys that, as you just pointed out, and they got guys coming off of health issues. Mm-hmm. Those guys have to kind of prove it to themselves before they can prove it to all of us that so they got there but and, and do the things they're capable of doing. That's okay. That's all right. They're in the preseason top 25, and they're getting getting some love. They, they finished in the Supers last year. We know they can swing it, and um, they've got an incredible staff. One of the best staffs in college baseball, if not, mm-hmm. the best. I mean, these guys are tremendous. Yeah. So
7: they're going to be fine. They'll be yeah, fine. They'll earn the paycheck. And uh, obviously, Saturday the basketball team tips off at one and at eight o'clock. You better watch what you say, Pete Prisco. We <laughs> <me> hear you. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah,
2: there that's we go. A bloodbath. The, the Packers, Packers are not yeah, very yeah.
7: good. I mean, no. <laughs> Pete Prisco me. was saying, "I ah, Green Bay going out upset." I said. <laughs> We'll see about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you,
2: you make sure they know you're not in Dallas anymore, man. You know, no. um, yeah. yeah. But baseball, I, I know Kendall too. I used to. I sat two desks over from him at Rivals.com twenty years ago, and uh, he, he, it, Jamie you get the not on the head because I was kind of disagreeing with that low ranking and that. But Jamie said he and Aaron are kind of prove it guys, and that's just how they break teams down. And uh, and, and remembering back, Kendall's like that, so I get it. And, uh, I think that's kind of good. Sometimes the lo- yeah, you know, when your expectations are a little bit lower uh, out there, yeah. you kind of have more of a sense of urgency. So.
7: And honestly, man, I mean, when it's the exact opposite of last year that your offense is known but your pitching isn't, well, okay, as long as your offense does what it's supposed to do, which is trickier than pitching, you, you should be able to let the pitching get get, get settled out. Yeah, I mean, and maybe I if those guys just say, hey, listen, don't worry about these first couple, we're going to get you eight, ten runs of game." Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Matt, but, Matt,
2: Becker, Matt, Matt, Matt Becker needs to take a step forward, I think. And uh, I think Roman Kimball could be a sneaky key to this whole season.
4: Mm-hmm. Roman
7: Kimball. Yeah. I mean, he, he's good, but coming off injury. But yeah. you know, then Eli Jones and then some of the other guys that they got, of course, as as John at Whittle has told us, they wanted some big time guys and they didn't get them out of the portal. So now it's come a case of you got guys who you think you can teach, and that's good. If they can learn, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to get pitchers and not chuckers. So Ty Good, yeah. I think from College of Charleston, will be a, a sneaky good uh, pickup as well. He's got Rock, real good. Rock back. Hill, Rock well, I,
6: I'll tell you if you if if you can, and I know we got to let you run now, but yeah, if, if we can, if we can, if we if Ty Good ends up being your Tuesday or Wednesday guy at midweek. That's a that's a great sign for this. Oh, sure. I that mean
7: you don't have to go down to Gainesville like you did last year with your best guy in the bullpen, yep. Yep. and just say, "All right." I mean, again, having a great offense and, and questionable pitching, it can work. But being a Braves fan, it can it can get you in a short series, as we right, all sure. saw. That said, these first couple of weeks, I'm the opposing pitcher. All <laughs> right, Petry, Messina, and Kennedy Jones. What do you suggest here, Coach? Yeah. Pitch around him. Oh, so I'm supposed to start every game? with All in and the bases loaded. Okay. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so well,
6: you, you got Casas, you got Lee Croy. I mean, you got guys who can swing it. Uh A kid that transferred in from Charlotte. Mark was telling us. He said, "Dude, he kind of like Brett Gardner. You, you just never know. He's up there, and all of a sudden he's on base. All of a sudden he's on third, and then he scores. You know, it's.
4: How
6: do you get out there?
7: They, they did. They did okay last year with it. Um, But I've been hearing so many times over the years. We're gonna steal a lot of bases this year, and I'm like, "Of course you are." That's happened one time in 1999 when they had Brian Roberts on the team. Right. Like, you gonna tell that guy not to run? Yeah, he was an yeah. automatic triple. I love yeah. watching him
6: play. In 99, and then in, in 02, Drew had the green light whenever he wanted, but that was about it. Now, outside of that, nah, I'm just. <laughs> We, as Coach Tanner once said, no, no, no. Around here, we hit home runs and doubles, or we lose.
4: Earl
7: Weaver, his in the three-run homer.
2: <laughs> and 0-1 uh,
4: oh,
2: oh, 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 when Sheldon Brown played, he let off, they they let him steal. Sheldon stole. Oh, that was fun. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And then this is a John. This is not Earl Weaver baseball played. around here. Yeah. Yeah.
7: yeah. <laughs> One of, oh, wow. one of Earl's other core beliefs was that anytime he didn't smoke a cigarette between innings, the opponent always scored. <laughs> I mean – yeah.
9: Whatever works. Yeah. Hey, it's baseball,
6: <laughs> man. It's it, yeah, absolutely. You do whatever works in baseball. Yep. Period. <laughs> if end. you
7: think it's helping you, it is. It, so, it is. Right. Yeah, that's right. I'm not gonna quote the bull Durham thing, but you know, that's you guys right. know what I'm talking about. So. You believe you're winning, that's then 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 you that's are that's all
6: that matters. <laughs> David, have a wonderful week, man. Thanks for all you do, and uh, and sure, hope when we talk to you next week. Uh well, we talk to you next week. It could be fun if game can get it turned around on the on the hardwood on the men's side over these next couple of ball games. So we'll see. We'll
7: see we'll play how play. It goes. You go got a lot of work throws, to do. Kids, go hit your free throws. Hit your free throws. Yeah. Thanks, man. Take care, fellas.
6: There you go. Thanks, David, David. with the post and Curry. All right. It is time for a timeout.
7: Timeout. Timeout. Timeout.
6: Timeout. Wait. Uh When we return, uh, First timer, long time listener, first time follower of the Taylor Enterprise. Daniel Kelly, a former NFL Rattler. Top of his NFL draft quarterback board. We're gonna find out why. we'll talk yeah. to him about some of the other quarterbacks that Rattler's competing for or competing with. In this year's upcoming draft as well. For those
2: that, those that didn't hear that because they did the music thing again, it's Daniel yeah. Kelly
6: is joining us. Oh,
2: <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, Chris screws it. You can't hear it on your <laughs> end, man. It's like the music hits, the first person that talks gets muted because it did it to me the other day. I don't know. Oh, why. sorry. It's a StreamYard thing. I'm going to write About this. I'd like to speak to your manager because yeah. the music. Well,
6: anyway, plan, anyway sorry. i, I just... I'll, I'll read. I'll redo it quickly since we got to go to break. Daniel Kelly, former NFL scout, thinks Spencer Rattler could be the first quarterback taken in this year's NFL draft. He'll join us next. How about that? Inside the Gamecocks,
1: the show down here in the South. We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce of any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern vodka. to Celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Electric Bikes
6: of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Volatric, Aventon Bikes, and more, and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show.
1: Hey, Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks!
4: Not today,
6: sweetie.
4: One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone, but because you've become my own. These windows could shut into the ground these walls
9: could fall right down because you've become my home you don't have to
4: tell
9: longer because you've become my home CBS Friday TV's hottest show is Fire Country I'm not a hero I'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free
6: g's carolina barbecue here in the great state of south carolina presents the national anthem at noon every day on inside the Gamecocks. of the show carolina dot is where you can go to order it and have it delivered right to your doorstep that would include the sauce and the rub carolina barbecue if you need catering or a food truck or anything in between billy g's carolina barbecue it is some of the best you'll find all the fixings of course the barbecue is can't miss and yes they do use their own sauce as well billy g's carolina BBQ.com. jc jb and phil two more hours to go here on inside the Gamecocks. the show we're 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 joined and very honored uh, to have daniel kelly with us here who it took kind of a i don't want to say last minute invitation but he accepted the invitation quickly to come on our program he uh, has been involved in NFL scouting for quite some time. We're going to let him tell his story here in just a moment. And um, he runs the website firstroundmock.com and he is very, very, very high on a guy that we all know very well around here, Spencer Rattler, now former quarterback of your South Carolina Gamecocks. But first and foremost, Daniel Kelly, thank you so much. We're, we're glad to have you. It's nice to see you. I'm sure you've been getting uh, this has been getting picked up by multiple media outlets in, in the state of South Carolina. So we're really glad to have you here and and, um, and really anxious to learn more about you and your background and what leads you to all these thoughts and predictions and all that type of stuff. Thanks, man.
10: Hey, Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on the show. I'm honored to be on with you guys today. So
6: do do me a favor because you know you know how it goes, right? You know, when, when people put out predictions and things like that, especially like you're standing out on a, on a limb here, there's not a lot of folks uh, who've come out and said the things you've said about Spencer Rattler, who we're going to specifically talk about today. But when, when people do that, uh, you, you get the Twitter world and the social media world and all these people, and, they, and they're wondering, well, who the hell is this guy and what does he know? <laughs> so, so who is Daniel Kelly and what do you know? How about that? Tell us who you are. Give us your background so people understand where this is all coming from.
10: Absolutely. Hey, I'd be glad to. Uh, so, so my story is I, I grew up in Minnesota, just a fanatical fan of the Washington Redskins back in the day. And exchanging letters with Joe Gibbs as a teenager, that type of thing. Went to, went to the Super Bowl when I was in Minneapolis. Uh, I had this burning passion for football. Wasn't big enough to play. I uh, was about, uh, about 5, 10, 130 pounds uh, soaking wet playing uh, high school ball. So that didn't work out too well. <laughs> uh, but I had this tremendous passion for the game. And my parents had given me a book for my 17th birthday uh, Secrets of an NFL scout by Tony Rizzano, the former uh, director of player personnel for the 49ers back in the Bill Walsh days. And, and I, it was love at first sight. I mean, I, I just grabbed a hold of it. I said, this is what I want to be. I want to be an NFL scout. So I started like recording games, self-teaching myself how to scout. There wasn't any scouting online universities or anything like that back in the day. Just kind of like just, you know, learn as I go. And uh, that kind of led into when I was about 21 years old, I had a chance to um, go to the Minnesota Vikings headquarters for like a, a mock draft radio thing for KFA and radio up there. They, I was one of the first 32 callers. I went up there. You know, they had me represent the Jacksonville Jaguars. I said, got to the microphone, scared to death, said, uh, Tony Boselli, offensive tackle, USC. <laughs> 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 and uh, the corner of my eye, I noticed Tony Dungy uh, sitting over there. He was a defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings at the time.
4: Yeah.
10: And, of course, I approached him. I took all my old draft reports. I've been trying to get in scouting since I was 18 with Charlie the former Redskins GM. Uh, So I took all my reports over to him. Of course, that's before he became like world famous Tony Dungy. And uh, so nobody was bothering him. Nobody was at his table and he was more than happy to talk with me. And he said, hey, how would you feel about coming to my office next week? And we can you know, sit down and go through the reports and I can compare them to what I had in Kansas City with Blastow. I'm like, absolutely, I'm there. Long story short, that turned into a six-month unpaid internship with uh, Coach Donji, and from there I went back into the real world, uh, selling Kirby vacuum cleaners, uh, surfing, uh, couch surfing, and you name it. And so I was at uh, 24 years old at Bank of America Mortgage as a loan officer, and I'm like, "What am I doing here? My dream is to be an NFL scout." So I got a little satellite dish, start recording games. Uh, long story short, on that, uh, it turned into be a 350-page uh, self-published NFL draft guide in 1998. I self, uh, I, I put, um, you know, personalized if every head coach, director of player personnel, GM in the NFL, sent an overnight mail, and that's how I ended up with the New York Jets, hired as a pro personnel assistant under then head coach Bill Parcells, and my interview at the Jets came down to me staring across, like, sitting next to me with Bill Bilichek, who's a the defense coordinator at the time, and convincing him to hire me at 24 years old, so that was that was the cool cool part of that story, um, and it turned out to be an amazing four years. I uh, worked on a hall of fame staff a who 's who staff. Uh, we had just a, a lot of names that listeners might know uh, we had dick haley's our director at player personnel. We had Scott pioli, Mike Tannenbaum. Eric Mangini was there, uh, Romeo cornell uh, al Groh, Dan Henning, uh, you know uh, Charlie Weiss uh, you know the list goes on and on. we just uh, Todd Haley was there. Um, and, and a lot of the young guys have gone on since become like GMs. Jojo Wooden was recently the interim GMO with the Chargers. I worked with him for four years. Uh, Chris Shea with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He's in their upper management now and, um, and alike. And, um, and then I got out of the scouting you know, with the Jets after four seasons, not by choice, uh, and, but just because of circumstances, a lot of changes in staff and so forth, and some personal things went on my life as well. And, um, you know, then I started, you know, kind of got away from football for a few years and started really, I had a chance maybe to be a system pro scouting director with the Cardinals in 2006. That fell through uh, 2012. I went to the NFL scouting combine, spoke for Sports managed worldwide, uh, you know, kind of talking about what it takes to get into the NFL in front of an auditorium of 300 people. At that event, I came face to face with Andy Reid, then head coach of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Coach Reed really liked my work. That almost turned into an opportunity, but it fell through at the last second. Um, in 2017, I was in contact with Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, who would ask for my ideas how to turn around that franchise. 2019, I interviewed with the uh, Washington then Redskins uh, with Bruce Allen, and 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 all along it came down to he says, "I I it, you know, yeah, you know, after the season maybe a position in coaching special teams because I was the first special teams scout in NFL history with the Jets." And uh, so he's like, maybe, a, you know, a position like assistant special teams coach, maybe a position in you know, scouting, maybe you can sit down and talk to Doug Williams after the season ends. Of course, he gets fired that Black Monday. So it's back to the drawing board, which uh, has entailed me writing for Sports Illustrated Detroit Lions, uh, New York Jets, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, NFL Draft Diamonds, um, and and now, of course, uh, Yard Barker as well, and uh, now I'm running my own uh, draft website, as you mentioned, at the top of the show, firstroundmock.com, so I've had a tremendous journey, a a very blessed, uh, privileged journey to be able to, you know, mix with a lot of the who's who in the NFL, and, uh, you know, learned a lot from a lot of great minds around me during my time in the league and even before then.
6: Yeah. I, it, it, well, wow. I mean, what a man you've been, you've been with some of the best ever do it at the, at the highest level of football. I was, I was, I, I love the website, uh, by the way. And thank you. I, I want to make sure I pass that along. We were, I was kind of uh, looking at it yesterday and looking at it this morning. And, um, you know, I, I always enjoy and J and JC, who has been uh, scouting or uh, uh, and evaluating talent at the, at the high school and collegiate level for over 20 years, I, I try to learn from guys like him and you and, and all these other dudes and pick up on little things that, you know, the common person never – I'm more of a baseball guy when it comes to the analytics. You know, when it comes to the football stuff, I try to learn something new every day. My, one of my dear friends, Pat DeMarco, I'm sure you've seen him play in the NFL. You know, these guys, you know, we try to listen to them and figure it all out. And so I was looking at your website, and I was I was learning. And, and I just found some really interesting stuff on there. So I really appreciate all of your hard work. And, um, and we want to welcome. make sure that we Thank you. kind of turn the attention to, to one of the reasons we brought you on here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, – I'm going to quote you uh, in, in, in your discussion of, of Spencer Rattler, the quarterback at South Carolina, or formerly now. And here's what you said. This was the first thing that you wrote about Spencer Rattler. Quote, it was love at first sight when I watched Rattler at Oklahoma in 2020. I love what I see in his eyes. Everything I want in a QB is in his eyes.
10: What does that mean? It's hard to explain. It just happened. You know, like people asked me when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Minnesota, why the Washington Redskins? I mean, why not the Vikings? And my explanation always is it was like a magnitude a refrigerator. It was just love at first sight. And that's the way I described, as you mentioned, uh, you know, viewing Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. There was just everything about him resonated with my soul. Uh, he was just everything I would want in a quarterback. I love the gunslingers. I, I love the Brett Favre types, the guys that – you know they're going to they're going to fight you tooth and nail and they're going to give you everything they got and see what you have for an answer and that's what you know Spencer you know struck me as is is a gunslinger who just was very passionate fiery a guy with ice in his eyes a guy that wanted to win and that's a big thing because in the NFL you know they they talk about in scouting circles that you know the game is won or lost from the neck up and, you know, all these guys are fast, they're big, they can, you know, run, they can do all these things. They all, you know, have you know great diets, agents, etc. But what separates the guys? It's really from the neck up. And so when I watched Spencer Rattler, you know, like Bill Parcells, one of his, he had like six critical factors of scouting when I was with the Jets. And one of those was, is football important to him? That was one of the questions. And right off the bat, I could see the answer is a resounding yes with Spencer Rattler. Is that this guy wanted to win in the worst way. And that really stuck out to me as something that really resonated with me because believe it or not, when I watch a lot of these guys and no disrespect towards anybody at any level, but it's, you know, a lot of times watching these prospects on game film, it's, you know, it's different, you know, being a fan, right. I'm just like everybody else, like you guys, everybody else. I love that's who I am. I'm a fan too at heart. Right. So I, I, when I watch a game from a fan perspective, and you guys, you know, evaluate, like you said, know this, that's a lot different when you watch somebody from an evaluation standpoint, as a fan, I'm watching the game, I'm drinking a beer, I'm eating the chicken wings. You know, hey, look at that. You know, uh, as an evaluator, I'm watching that specific player in every single detail, maybe two, three, four times on a, five times on a given play, writing just crazy amounts of notes. I have notebooks after notebooks are stacked in my, my, um, my drawers. And, you know, so it's like when, when you hone in on a player, it's like, okay, a lot of these guys are just, it's like watching paint dry, you know, on on film. They, they're just, you know, they dog it, Uh, you know, sometimes they play, sometimes they don't. Uh, Parcells called them Jags, just another guy, you know, and a lot of these, you know, don't, don't stick out. But when, when, when they do stick out, when they do pop on game film, I take very special notice of that. And that's what happened when I saw Spencer Rattler initially, like, who is this guy and I have got to get to know him better in game film.
6: JC, I know you're right. You, you, I can see you unmute yourself. You're ready to pop in there. Go for it, my man. Sure.
2: And this has been a theory of mine, an educated theory, actually. Um, and, and look, watching, watching Spencer at Oklahoma and that offense was a lot of fun, right? But we all know that's not a pro style offense. We all know. Mm-hmm. And in the Big 12, and especially pandemic year in 2020. Nobody played defense that year in college football. Uh, I'm not saying it's fool's gold. After that, you know, it comes to South Carolina, bad OC last year. Uh, they finally figured it out at the end. And you saw what happened this mm-hmm. year. Not a bad OC at all. Uh, in fact, a guy that I think got him ready, but not a lot of personnel around him, especially up front. They start. They had twelve different offensive linemen injured by the end of the year. Those guys were all playing at sixty percent. I mean, it was a, it was a historically tough year injury wise up front at South Carolina and then no juice wells. So you had basically one receiver to me. My theory is that actually makes him better prepared to step into the NFL. That along with learning uh, a, a quote unquote pro style system where he has to check, has to make his reads, uh, has to, has to get out there and quarterback uh, more so than maybe, you know, take a step and sling it to, Mr. Five-Star receiver against a Big 12 defense. I think, you know, stats aside, uh, playing in the SEC these last two years probably has made him a better pro prospect. And maybe if he had one more year at Oklahoma, won the Heisman, and and gone on, maybe he's more ready to step in. Maybe, I'm a Bears fan, Uh, shoot, you know, they get rid of Justin Fields. Spencer Rattler could step in, I think, and play earlier uh, based on what he's been through the last two years of South Carolina.
10: Yeah, absolutely. You make a lot of great points there. I, I think that, that he is, you know, pro ready. And that's that's the thing I look at, too, is that, you know, there's a huge difference, you know, between, you know, great college quarterbacks to me and NFL great quarterbacks. You know, and a lot of times what I what I say is that. You know, I'm watching these prospects through, you know, the NFL colored, you know, glasses, if you will, and so I'm looking for things like, you know, you're you're talking about, like, you know, I I I definitely agree. I mean, the offensive coordinator Dow Logans this year definitely did a great job in getting him pro pro ready. I mean, the television announcers talked about it, you know, quite often during the games, um, you know, and, and also about how he had matured, you know, with those offensive line challenges you touched on, how he had. You know, kind of got in there a little bit more and they talked about the leadership and the maturity that he had and, you know, kind of learning those different things that you alluded to. And and so, you know, when I'm watching these guys, you know, I'm watching for things that translate to success in the National Football League that I've seen over the last 40 plus years. Things like, you know, okay, uh, you know, progressions. Are these guys going through the progressions in the pocket? Are they just one-read quarterbacks, just lock in and go? Um, so, I mean, quarterbacks in the NFL, you see them, they're looking around. They've got to be able to go through multiple, you know, progressions for the complexity of the National Football League and the defenses and everything that they have. Um, another thing I'm looking at, too, is, is you know, time to throw uh, that's, that's a big one. Uh, you know, and with, with, uh, and the thing I like about Spencer too, when he's back in the pocket, he's setting up shop is that he's got extremely quick reflexes. I mean, you see him back there. He's just really, you guys, I'm sure you've seen it. Like he's really just really fast and. Moving around back there, and his time to throw is at you know according to PFF is 2.82 seconds, which compares. Of course, it's a different level; it's an apples to oranges comparison, but it does compare to the Commanders' uh, quarterback Sam Howe, who's also a 2.82 seconds. To kind of give an idea how that might translate. But I'm looking at, at that. That's important. I mean, that's that's the thing that's really hurt Justin Fields in in Chicago. I think his time to throw is like 3.23 seconds, tonight, according to Next Gen stats. That 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 I mean, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. You better get the ball in your hands, or you're gonna be in trouble, and you're gonna be running around in the National Football League. So, I, so that's something I look at: the time to throw. I, I also look at at ball placement, different than completion percentage. I'm looking for a quarterback that can put the ball where it needs to be with the receivers, and so they can catch and go, run right through it, opposed to jumping and diving and doing all this crazy stuff like we saw, like a Zach Wilson, for example, do at BYU. And and then also to ball security. That's a big one too, and what I mean by that for our listeners is that you know it is is taking care of the football, not just the interceptions, uh, but I also I personally chart uh, PBUs, pass breakups during the games when I watch them, and I'm really looking at how many times are the defenders getting a, you know, a helmet, a hand, something on you know batting the ball down at the line of scrimmage is something I look at, and that's some that's an area where Spencer really improved this last season was making better decisions a Spencer Rattler back at Oklahoma early on in South Carolina I saw a lot of eh, you know kind of risky kind of you know kind of throws that you know make you wonder like you know should he really throw in that but this season and again that's probably the influence um, you know of the new OC is that um, he really seemed to be making a lot better decisions and that that's right stuck out to me as well guys We've, we've discussed a lot
6: of things that you can continue to uh, improve on. You work on as a quarterback. There's also another side of every athlete on planet earth. It's called God-given ability. How much God-given ability does Spencer Rattler have in your mind?
10: A lot. He's loaded with it. He is the thing. The thing I I like about Spencer when it comes to God-given ability are his instincts, it, it, that's something that coaches can't, can't teach. It's either like Parcel said, they're like, you know, they don't bite when their puppies are generally not going to bite. And, and Spencer has that feeling in the pocket. Like he feels things around him. He's got very good instincts.
6: So one of the things I've heard uh, and, and I don't, I'm asking, that's why I'm asking you the question. Cause I have no idea. I, I think that the NFL has proven that this narrative can be false if you're in the right system, but you know, that people
10: have talked about his height as being a concern. Is that a concern? No. Why not? I don't think it's a concern because of way because of his mobility. Uh, he's, a, he's able to slide up and he's able to climb the pocket. He's able to slide around back there. He's able to, if you, if you have a dinosaur in the pocket, a guy that just sat there and, you know, didn't move uh, you know, that that would be an issue probably with everybody's hands going up when he released the ball, but he's able to kind of maneuver his way around and he sees the field exceptionally well. He's got good field awareness back there and, and arm talent too, to you know, send a sidearm pass or this or that. So he seems to have very good awareness of his throwing lanes. So, so to your point, it could really be a concern for some guys that don't have that skill set. But for Spencer, I don't think it's going to be an issue because he does have it.
6: I, I, I've said this repeatedly. I've been, I've been around Gamecock football for almost 40 years. J.C.'s been around. He, he looks young, but J.C.'s almost 80 years old, and I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've we been around a, a while. Um, I, I've never seen anybody that throws the football like Spencer Rattler does that has put that uniform on. Um I, I doubt you've watched every South Carolina quarterback for the last 30 or 40 years or anything like that, but his passing ability I, I, based on the things that my eyeballs aside, because they actually mean nothing in this conference. Who cares what I think when you, when you talk to people that actually do understand things, Steve Spurrier has said this easy elite. He could throw the football as well as anybody. Would you agree with something like that? Yes. Yeah. When he, One of the things that we have learned over the, are you sure, are you okay on time right now? Or are you in a, yes, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Yeah. I just want to make sure we weren't, you know, keeping you from something. Thank Um, you. Thank you. No, absolutely. I appreciate it. If we've learned anything over the years, if I've myself have learned anything we were talking about this yesterday, as a matter of fact, with, uh, with, um, with Rattler is that when you, and I'd like you to elaborate on the process here, uh, when you, when you declare for the draft, uh, or when you go to the combine, and and the, all these all these organizations begin scouting you, mm-hmm. they're 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 turning over every rock, turning through every page. They're calling uh, elementary school teachers, and they're doing all kinds of things to figure out exactly who you are, especially at this position. Uh, if they're if you're going to be the guy they want to lead your, their franchise when Spencer Rattler came into college football and got to Oklahoma, we all know about the TV show that he was involved in when he transferred to South Carolina. That was one of the things that Shane got asked the most here. We all know Shane pretty well. Um, And and, and it used to frustrate him. You know, he's like, that's not the guy that I'm bringing in guys. I spent time. I, I coached this guy. I know Spencer Rattler, what you hear about. And saw on TV. That's not the Spencer Rattler that I know two years later. That was proven to be true. He's been, I think, as, a, as an exceptional as exceptional of a teammate as you could ask for. I'd like you to dive in a little bit more to the process and the things that Spencer has probably already begun to experience and what he will experience over the next couple of months as he prepares for the draft and how those questions will be asked and how he may need to answer them and, and how that could or could not affect his draft status and who takes it.
10: Absolutely, JB. Great question. It is extremely intense uh, for these guys once the season ends, uh, all the you know postseason festivities begin. And you're right. Uh, they, they will look under every, every rock. They'll dig underneath it to see exactly. They'll talk, like you said, to the school teachers. They'll talk to the neighbors. They'll talk to, you know, there's some scouts are savvy enough to go into a school and, you know, they know better than to talk to the coaching staff sometimes because they feel maybe they're just going to get, you know, certain answers. So they'll talk to the janitor. And they'll talk to a staff member or, or the front desk attendant and be like, you know, tell me about Spencer. You know, some of the more experienced scouts will do that. Uh, what's he like when he comes he comes in the, in, the, in the morning in the building? What, what's he, you know, how does he, because over time, and, and that's really what this is, is scouting is, is a process, I believe, uh, of being able to uh, gather information. I mean, that was a saying at the Jets building. That, that was Billichick's, you know, big thing was we were, we're in the information gathering business. And, you know, gather it but never give it was the saying around the building. Thank And so, I mean, every piece of information is valuable in the evaluation process, you know, because it it, it could be anything. And what you're looking for is patterns and tendencies of information over a sustained period of time. So these scouts will come in there, you know, they ask questions, they'll talk to the coaches, they'll talk to people. Uh, There's going to be, you know, different, um, you know, postseason, you know, type of, uh, you know, games and and workouts and pro days and and the NFL combine I've been to six times and, you know, they'll, they'll, every team will want to talk to Spencer you know and they'll ask him the most bizarre questions so if he, if, if anyone's listening that knows Spencer get ready for it <laughs> get ready for it what's, what's the
6: most bizarre question you've ever heard asked have you could you even think of could you even remember off the top of your head
10: what's your favorite part of Forrest Gump and why
6: you're kidding me that was no. like, somebody asked that question yeah
10: yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a few years ago when spent when Forrest Gump was you know like, like coming on that but yeah that yeah yeah, because what they're doing, what they're doing, and I was taught this by by Bill Belichick's most trusted personnel scout, who was my mentor for over 20 years, is what they're doing is they're, they're not, they don't really care about the words so much, and I'm talking about the, the veteran staffs. They're watching the body language because, the, the, you know, the teams will say, you know, a man's mouth can say whatever, but the body language cannot lie. We, so they'll, they'll say things they no kind of, you know, like, like a police interrogation. They'll, they'll give a couple warm up questions, you know, like, hey, what's your favorite food? Pizza, you know, um, you know, next is, uh, you know, what's your favorite soft drink? Pepsi. While wow, this is easy. And, oh, by the way, have you ever, um, you know, did, did you drink alcohol underage? And the whole room would just go silent. And you know, like, okay, you know, and, and so they'll do different questions like that. Um, and a lot of times, and this is something else too, I would tell, you know, Spencer if he was listening or anyone who knew him in the process, is these teams tend to ask questions only that they know the answers to. So they've done the work on this stuff. So, you know, so that you know. That's an encouragement to always, you know, make sure you go into the full detail of whatever the questions are. And there's really no right or wrong answers. It's not. It's not like it's a police interrogation or something. But they want to get to know the player from the neck up because. Really and truly, this is not just about like fantasy football or playing Madden. This is about bringing in a young man, especially at the, at the, you know, the most important position in the game, the quarterback position, leading a locker room of 53 guys. It's about, you know, about who is Spencer Rattler. We want to know to the best of our ability who he is. Now, we've done all this background work, but now we're going to talk to him. Okay, and we're going to form these questions. Who are you? You know, who are we bringing into our locker room? Because we see this, the stuff in the news all the time in the, in the press where, you know, these guys have, you know uh, you know, different things happen and it becomes front page news. So they want to know who, who is he Um, you know, how will he lead the team? How will he be able to motivate, inspire? That's a big one they want to know about is, you know, how are you going to, because you're working with everyone's a millionaire here, you know, like, how are you going to inspire your teammates? Um, you know, tell me about a time that you inspired, you know, your teammate. Tell me you know, about this or that. So that, that's really the thing they really will get inside of his head. And of course, as we all saw last year with CJ Stroud with that, you know, that test he took pre-draft, you know, teams will give, you know, different psychological testing too during the process. And, um, and, of course, then there's the off season. A lot of players will go and join, like, a program like EXO's um, that, that do a great job, those folks, and prepare them for the, you know, combine prior to that. Then you go to the combine and you go through all the drills. And another big thing you should be prepared for, too, is that, you know, working with different receivers. That's, a big, that's the reason why the combine exists with the drills and stuff is because, okay, you've worked with this guy for two years every day after, you know, practice and throwing passes. Okay, now let's see how you are with these four guys that you've never met before in your life Um, you know so that's a big part of it too is is just be ready for unfamiliarity be ready for intense questions Um, you know everybody reads eye contact you know my best advice I could give a prospect is look every every individual in the eyes that ask you a question because they're all reading the eyes and they want to know because you're coming into the organization you know, for Spencer Rattler, he's coming in there to, to, to lead a locker room, to represent an NFL team, and to represent a city and a state. This is a big, big deal. The quarterback gets more tension than any other position in the sport of football. So it's going, to be, it's going to be an intense process. And, of course, he'll have good people in his corner that will be, you know, who have been down this road a few times with other people and themselves. They'll be also giving him similar advice as I'm sharing with you guys.
6: Spencer Rattler certainly will be representing this state. It, there's a whole entire state behind him cheering for him to be the first quarterback drafted out of the University of South Carolina since Todd Ellis in the 1980s. It has been a while. Um, I just tweeted out as well uh, the column that you wrote back on January the 4th. Uh, it titled Spencer Rattler Franchise NFL QB. I would encourage all of those who are watching and listening now and later uh, to To go check this out. It is pretty unique. One of the things that you pointed out was his completion percentage at 68.9. It's higher than Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Cam Ward, Joe Milton, and Drake May, all of them. Uh, really incredible with all the things that J.C. pointed out earlier, the struggles that the Gamecocks had up front, uh, Juice Wells going down with an injury. Xavier Leggett's a guy, before we let you run, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you're going to preview the wide receivers because I would love to know where you think he's going to end up Uh, as far as the NFL draft goes as well, but yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that you pointed out in there and and quick. We we didn't really get to all these other quarterbacks. How would you just describe the class this year in general, that
10: Spencer Rattler is a part of that is off to the NFL. This has been one of the most challenging classes I've ever evaluated. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting class. Um, it's it's uh, for example, Joel Milton, a third, who I'm much higher on than anybody else in the country too. It seems um, is somebody that I I call the toughest evaluation I've ever done in my my professional career. Um, it, 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 yes. And uh, but 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 it was challenging because when you look at a Joe Milton, for example, he's the guy with the huge arm, you know, can throw an orange like all the stadium, you know, and, and, and these videos he puts on stuff, uh, you know, but but the, the, the part of it is, is how does he translate again the progressions, the, the, the ball placement, the ball security, the, the time to throw? I mean, Joe Milton, the third has the same time to throw as Matthew Stafford. A lot of people don't know that, Um, and so so. But but, you know, looking at that, that's why Milton was challenging. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., my QB two in this behind Rattler was challenging because. Uh, I, back when Penix was at, at the University of Indiana, I had an undraftable free agent grade on him because the guy couldn't stay healthy, and then when he could, his ball placement was all over the road. Um, you know, so so I, he went from you know Indiana being undraftable free agent on my board to moving up on the board once he got to Washington, 2022. I think I had a six round grade on him. This year, he was much much better in terms of his accuracy. Going through his progressions was the biggest thing that Michael Penix Jr. improved on this year because he's now before he would just lock in with that huge elongated throwing motion like a Mark Brunel or something. He would just lock in in the past, but now he's like looking around and he's even like doing something C.J. Stroud was famous for doing, in my mind, at Ohio State was looking off defenders and and then going. So it it helps cut down on on the uh, um, uh, PBUs, the past breakups and stuff like that. Um, You know, guys like uh, the challenge with with Drake May. I, I love Drake May in 2022 game film, and I've watched every single snap of Drake May and Caleb Williams over the last two years. And, but he regressed, he regressed on his 2023 game film. In my mind, uh, he was—he um, seemed like he was a lot more frustrated, a lot more like an inward anger. It seemed like he had, um, and he was pressing the ball a lot more. And so his his downfield ball placement was just average. Same thing with Caleb Williams—he regressed a lot uh, this season in my mind. Um, and that—that's that's the surprising part that the national narrative is that you know this guy can't seem to do anything. It's like he's Superman. He can't do anything wrong. I mean, he stays at QB one. From the time you know, from way back when, he's and
2: he's soft, in my opinion. Caleb, soft. Uh, I, and again, Bears Bears have a decision to make, right? I, I don't care if he throws it better than Justin Fields right now. I, I would, I'd trade and let him be generational and get as much draft stock as you trade him to phil's Y'all's Commanders, trade him to Commanders. No, I, y'all, y'all tell, hey, he's a
10: DC native. Let him go home and see what happens. And, and and I can if I can go point, quickly point out to your yeah. point about about um, about Caleb Williams as we talked about Justin Field having the slowest time to throw in the NFL on Next Gen stats at three point two three seconds. Well, Caleb mm-hmm. Williams, according to PFF, has three point two one seconds. So it's like the same time to throw on top of it, plus all those different issues you got going on from the neck up. So yeah, I completely agree with you on that. But yeah, it was it was a very challenging class for sure. I I, I value it. I think total. I think I looked at hundred and ninety six games on this on these on these eight quarterbacks wow. that I have on my quarterback board so that's like if wow. you do the math that works out to like 12 seasons of a, a you know for for an NFL team <laughs> you know so I mean I looked wow. at a lot a lot of game tape and ground through it so but it was challenging because of all those different you know the ways that some of those quarterbacks had changed some got better uh you know like like Rattler improved and and Pennings got better and and Joe Milton III got better and other guys you know kind of slid down and um you know and, and so it's, it's it's it was definitely a challenge.
6: I, I, one of the one of the interesting tidbits I picked up from your column about all these quarterbacks, uh, Daniel, was um, the on Caleb Williams uh, the two. I didn't realize that two and nine against ranked competition since he's been at Southern Cal. That's that's telling, uh, and that's something I'm, that I'm understanding that uh, you know NFL guys pay attention to. How do you play when you play against the best? And hmm. We'll see. Uh, So what do we expect from you going forward? Like, will will you continue? Uh, I I mean, this is what you do. So, like, will we expect uh, uh, similar draft board style rankings of different positions as the draft approaches in a couple of months?
10: Absolutely. I'm working hard. Uh, Believe it or not, it takes me about um, about about 10 months of working about 17 hours a day, six days a week to set a first round board. Um, And so it's a very involved process for me. So, so, and that's uh, six days a week. Um, And so, yes, I I will continue to release uh, scouting evaluations. I just finished up the quarterbacks and I just started uh, with the wide receivers class and then after that i'll do you know i'll do Brock Bowers again i'll circle back and do him the offensive lineman go over to the edge rusher's corners you know i'll eventually work my way around to everyone and hopefully uh, you know knocking wood here on on the uh, on the table that i'll have a uh, an official released uh, first round mock as of march 15th and uh, so i'll be all out you know doing shows doing you know i i manage a team of writers at first round mock and and uh, you know and just in just grinding through the tape because as the old saying goes in scouting the game film doesn't lie
6: Boy, <laughs> well, you get that right well
10: it does know,
6: i could tell you a guy that, that this state is very very proud of is is Xavier Leggett from uh Mullen, South Carolina he he's a stud and he's going to go to the NFL and he's going to play a long time um, talk about a kid who developed so if you don't mind it, and, and, and we're going to put you on the spot, and, and you have to say the right things on the spot, but I truly mean this behind the curtain, you can tell us no. We'd love to have you back down the road uh, to to get some more from you. I have I've been doing this a I long time. I love that, and and uh, I, I have found this conversation to be as fascinating as any it's, that I've had in a long time. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're very most welcome. Most
2: draft Thank guys you. don't. You're kind of like Phil Steele from uh, you know that does the <laughs> college football magazine. With all the stats and stuff, it's been a great interview uh, for real. I mean, I've thank you. I've interviewed my share of draft guys before, and yeah, yeah you're doing you're doing well for yourself, Daniel. And it's <laughs> thank not just because you. you not just because you rank Spencer Rattler number one. I I I, t- I tend to like no. people that that bring it with data and and and, and the time they've put in. Uh, So, so hats off to you, sir. Well, I
10: I, thank you, thank you, you, JC, thank you. Look
6: here, man. If Spencer Rattler is the first quarterback taken off the board this year, I don't know if we'll ever get another interview with you again. You, before you know, you'll be on (laughs) frigging NFL Network and ESPN and everywhere else under the sun. I do think this though. He's a he's a combine guy. He's a guy who will gain a lot by going to the combine and performing Mm -hmm. well. I think he will perform well. Um, And and I'm and I got a feeling by the time we get into March. Uh, some of the narrative that's out there on Spencer Rattler is going to be changed a little bit across the country. He's not that it's bad, but there might be some guys maybe a little bit more in line with you, a little bit higher on him and what he can bring to an organization. So, hope that's true. Love, I loved every minute of this conversation. Can't thank you enough Likewise. for accepting our invitation, and we can't wait to have You're you
10: welcome. back. Absolutely, I can't wait to be back in the show with you guys as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and uh, continue doing what you do. It's 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 been fun.
6: Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, man. Have a
10: great week. You too. Thank you. Thank
6: you so much, guys. Daniel Bye-bye. Kelly, firstroundmock.com, dot I'd put that in the rolodex. It's it's really interesting, and uh, and you'll learn a lot. There is no question about that. We kept him probably a little bit longer than we needed to, but um, he's better than us. Than we would we be, kept Matt and problem. Matt poor
4: Matt than know.
2: <laughs> we <definitely laughs> kept Matt in the green room this whole time. So. Yeah,
6: it, uh, it, uh, sorry about that, Matt. So let's step aside and uh, and hit a quick timeout, and then. When we return, uh, we'll bring in Mr. Late Night himself here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions most importantly they ship it to your doorstep order online at gamecocktraditions.com where there's always a sale gamecock traditions gamecocktraditions.com a tradition unlike the others
8: South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle, free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
6: Nana's Porch. NanasPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet-style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. NanasPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Three three six two five nine seven five five zero. 259
4: 7550
2: And we welcome you to Founders Park. It's time for baseball, folks.
4: Oh, there's a blast off the battery, of Petrie!
2: Ripple! That ball ripped a right and deep and gone. Swing and a drive.
5: Left field way back and gone! The ball into the air the opposite way. Has he done it twice? Yes, he has! There's a blast off the bat of Wimmer!
1: Morgan looks up! And this one is long gone!
0: There's a high
1: drive! That ball is tagged! That ball is way, way,
5: way out of here! A grand slam home run for Ethan Petrie. What else can this young man
4: do, Derek? My
6: goodness, that ball was killed. So yesterday was one 31-day month. Today is a 30-day month from first pitch. And uh, so we're getting closer and closer and closer to watching a lot of balls leave the yard once again for this Gamecock offense that is expected to be explosive. Matt Anderson joins us, the late night Gamecock show host. Uh, really, I, 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 everything I said, I, I truly meant. I that was really good uh, having Daniel Kelly on. Phil, uh, thanks for getting that done for us. Uh, he was very well spoken. Um, I thought he had a lot of great points, and I'll be interested to see if some of what he believes. Uh, over the next few months uh, comes true for Spencer Rattler be be pretty neat if it did huh Matt
11: Hey man that was a that was a great interview um I was hanging on every word he um clearly clearly knows his stuff and can talk it inside backwards and forwards and all the way around so um I hope you guys can get him on you know a few more times especially before the draft and maybe after the combine as well
6: I think we're going to have him on tomorrow from uh 12 until two
9: (laughs) i know i approached him yesterday i was like ah 10 15 minutes man we'll get you in and out you know if you want to (laughs) let me know join i didn't hear anything and i was like oh i just kind of wrote it off and then this morning at like (laughs) 10 32 i'm looking at twitter and i see a notification pop up on the big spur side and i was like Oh, it's oh okay. I got a response to my message, so yeah, we threw it together and we were able to pull it together last minute. But yeah, appreciate him, man. That was that was good stuff. I mean, it's you know, and when you're talking about you know a former Jets guy and things like that. and You're like, ah, yeah, whatever. And then he's like, no, I worked in the Jets with Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick, and I'm like, oh, well, you were on that Jets uh, staff, yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah, you really are into the, some of the biggest minds in this game. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he he's pretty good at it. So
6: we, we will definitely have, have him back on and um mm-hmm. I uh I'm excited to, to do that. Um yeah, I you know yeah, I, I
2: that's yeah. an industry you can run into some real clowns too.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, right, right. It's it's, it's <laughs> a
2: very fractured, not consolidated once a year kind of thing. Still still a lot like recruiting used to be back in the day when there was no rival, no network or anything. You know, you just got a lot of guys. Just, it's a hobby. And no, just no disrespect for them, but I, I do like the guys that have actually worked in pro football. <laughs> you know, those those guys. And they're different. They're different than college people, man. Those NFL guys. Like, they, they are looking at – they got a completely different set of eyes and opinions about this. And if you notice how a lot of intangibles come up with those guys. It's not mm-hmm. just speed. It's because like, everybody's good that they're looking at. So, uh, enjoyed the conversation, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, on
11: top of that, uh, sorry, JB, really quick. I just want to uh-huh. say, you know, uh-huh. all the film that he plows through, you're talking about 17 hour days and all of that. But I, I appreciated how he also brought some analytics in there as well, talking about some PFF, you know, seconds, you know, before you have to make a throw and how he compared that to the NFL. Um, so he has the eyeballs and he's looking at the numbers, which is pretty cool.
6: Yeah, I, well, so I, I I'm glad he clarified because when as I was reading those numbers uh, yesterday, actually time to throw 2.82 for for Spencer Penix 2.68. You know, I was reading that as uh, how much time does he have to throw? Like essentially, how good is his offensive line? And and a lot of it wasn't making sense to me because I'm like, when well, no, I wait a second here. I mean, you know, Bo Nix only had 2.44. Th- Tua Tunga-Vailoa only had 2.36. That doesn't make any sense. And then it, it, it made sense. No, it's how much time does it take him to throw the football? You yeah. know, like, is he identifying, targeting, processing. and processing and, and getting rid of the ball? Uh, I'm Clearly, you know, it has to do with, you know, does he have protection and stuff like that too? But, like, you think about how, how that data is actually compiled. Like, how do you get to that data? Well, Spencer Rattler was sacked. How many times was he sacked this year? 43 times? Was it 43? It was up there, right? Yeah. So – if he's sacked 43 times and he's rushed, you know, how many other times? Like, how do you get to that number? So, it's it, it, it's complicated, and it hats off to, to these guys that do stuff like that, uh, like him, but but it is pretty telling, and it just kind of backs up what we've said about Spencer. Like, golly, man, like, had he had the like, – like, guys, what if he was the quarterback at Alabama instead of Jalen Milrow?
11: National championship.
6: <laughs> you think so? Like – Yeah, I think they would have been in a better
9: spot at least. I mean, so yeah, I mean he's a difference maker for sure. I mean when you get a guy like that under center, so we saw what kind of a difference he made here at South Carolina, even with the abysmal you know line situation that he went through. So you know, I think the two things like and like you were saying, JB, with the analytics and things like that, it was like that that amount of time, uh, and then put that number with the completion percentage, and, and it really is, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, pretty amazing what Spencer was able to pull off this year.
2: Yeah, and, like, everybody knows now that he, he didn't play for the best O.C. on the planet his first year here, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, so, really, he didn't have a season where he had a supporting cast and good coaching at the same time. It's kind of an either-or. And and the pros dig into that. They know. They, they, they're going to be like, who is Marcus Satterfield?
9: Well,
6: <laughs> oh, I- yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's the
2: guy that's coaching Nebraska's
6: offense this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, we uh, think he is. Yeah, no he,
4: even,
6: he even says uh, in the first round, again, I encourage all first round mock.com. It is a neat website, but he said there, uh, it, I'm, I'm reading directly here. The most encouraging part of his film was improved decision-making and ball security this past season. That maturation is thanks to South Carolina bringing in offensive coordinator Dow Loggins, who has helped to pro ready Rattler with his 16 years of NFL coaching experience. Now uh, the biggest criticism and, and this got left out of the interview and, and I'll wear it, but there were some more pressing things we wanted to make sure we got in, but his biggest criticism was he, he can be streaky, which I don't think that's a criticism. I think that's uh, I think no. think that's, that's fair.
2: Never's between him on the road and at home this year. Uh... Protection has something to do with that, but Spencer, you know, was not as accurate, uh, you know, in, in those two settings. And, and there are games where he, he, he was not, you know, as accurate as other games. But the streakiness showed up more. I, I think if you're evaluating 2022, you, you're looking at streakiness. I think if you're looking at the Georgia tape, you're thinking that too, JB, because look at him first half to second half against Georgia. First half. I think 16 for 18 second half 6 for 24. You know, um, so maybe that's something to do with it. But uh
6: it also yeah. had to do with uh every time the ball was snapped he was staring at Georgia's defensive line instead of the rear ends of his own. Yeah. Line.
3: Yeah, I look, I'm
2: not saying every time oh, he threw it. Jesus, incomplete. you again. Yeah, I'm not saying every time he threw it an in completion it was uh uh in it was um you know, not it was somebody else's fault, you know. Yeah, right. uh, be best. but he, uh, you know, I thought, I thought this year, you know, I thought this year the streakiness is a little different than it was last year. Yeah, there, well, there's reason
11: crazy. I'm looking at his numbers right now from you know, two year South Carolina. Would y'all believe that Spencer had the exact same amount of pass attempts in 2022 that he had in
6: 2023? Yeah,
11: 399. Yeah.
6: Isn't that crazy? I know. <laughs> Amazing, like what a different system will do for you, right? Like yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a I saw that not too long ago. I actually forgot about that set. I'm glad you brought that up. Hey, if y'all do y'all know Darren Stoltz I don't. Yeah, I know you who know, he is. You know, Darren, Darren used to be at Channel Four with Scotty in Charleston, and he's down in Orlando now at WESH. Uh he, t- he tweeted this video that I just retweeted. And it's captioned live, look at the transfer portal versus Roll Tide. And that's why I'm laughing. I'm not laughing at Spencer Rattler. I'm laughing at this video. So if you go to Twitter and look at my retweet, you will probably about pee your pants like I just did (laughs) watch this
9: (laughs) I was just admiring that here. <laughs> it is very funny. <laughs>
6: it's a funny ass video, man. It's not funny at all. Like that guy's got to be dead, right? But, all right. But yeah.
4: But, yeah. Pretty...
6: <laughs> uh, if you get a chance to check that out, I, I can't explain it to you unless you can just get on Twitter and check out my Twitter page or Darren Stoltz's Twitter page. Uh, why is he tweeting that? Uh, because Alabama is getting hammered in the transfer portal, and I mean hammered. The latest is Caden Proctor, who started every year up front at tackle as a true freshman, top five overall recruit in 2023. He is 6'8", 365 pounds. I don't even know if there's enough room in the transfer portal for him, but he's he's going to get in there. Uh, JC, any chance that the Gamecocks can sign him? Well, let me get in quick before the message boards do. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: No, and, and the, these are the types of kids that Alabama is going to have to uh, work hard to continue to land. This is the national. Alabama was not a national recruiting team, or hadn't been since Bear Bryant. Bear Bear went up to Pennsylvania a lot and got guys like Joe Namath and some offensive linemen and stuff. But the coaches between Bear Bryant, including Gene Stallings, Mike Debose, and Shula, or else. I remember it was when I started at Rivals, it was the Shula era. Bama rarely signed anybody out of Georgia. They were kind of like Bama. that They would hit the the part of Florida, which is basically southern Alabama, the Florida Bama area. Like mm-hmm. Pensacola was a tide town. They'd go into Mississippi and swipe guys. they get Texas every now and then. Uh, but it's basically – yeah, they basically just battled it out with Auburn for the top Alabama kids. Saban's first big class was 0, 0, 0, 0, 08, 08. Because he he got there in 07, so it was 08. And Saban, that was a historically great – the state of Alabama was like 17 deep with five-star guys. Barrett Jones, who was a legacy, was sitting over there in Memphis. Uh, They got another kid out of Middle Tennessee that was under the radar that ended up being really good. Whose name escapes me. That was the number one class in the country that year. Uh, And that's when Julio came in, Marcel Darius, who was a three-star guy from Alabama. Uh, And and so that was the the class where, hey, they signed everybody at the time. Well, then after that, after they started playing for titles, won a national championship, they started spreading out. Uh, Mark Ingram was in that first class, and he is from Michigan, of course, but his dad played at Michigan State for Saban or, yeah. or New Saban for Michigan State. Um, so they started spreading out, and you know, it got for years, they've been able to go get the top kids out of California. Uh, this kid, Caden Proctor, is an offensive lineman from Iowa. Now, if you're in any other position in the state of Iowa, yeah, maybe you don't want to go play in the Hawkeyes offense. But if you're an offensive tackle and you spurn Iowa, and it was a big deal because he, he was the best player to come out of Iowa in years. Uh, and he goes to Alabama. Those are the types of kids they've been getting nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at their DC recruiting through the years. We talk about Carolina. Bama signed a bunch and you know, they signed, they go to New York and get guys. they, uh, the West coast, East coast is a true national recruiting team. And that's because of Saban. And so Kalen DeBoer, no offense to him, great coach, but those types of kids that have no connection to the South. No, I mean, they, they're there cause it's Alabama and it's Nick Saban. He's going to the NFL. Those are the types of kids that, you know, they're going to have to kind of go out and kind of re-recruit, yep. you know, and they, they're not going to just automatically get them anymore uh, because there's not that, you 15-year know, track record of of, of first-round picks and freshmen playing and all that. So, I, I'm not surprised Proctor left. Uh, my guess is he's probably uh, – the, the Hawkeyes have been saving their NIL money up and he's going to head home. I mean, that would be my guess. Uh, but, you know, these portal kids that we think are heading home, some mm-hmm. of don't. So, who, who knows?
6: The end of the hour has arrived. We need Already? to step aside. Yeah, yeah. JC, do you have a clock in your house? Does your computer it's have a clock time. on it? Well, yeah, it's good. on central time. I mean, but, it's like, it still, it still shows 59. It's still the end of an hour.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but it, it, it uh, you know, it's it's like, um, yeah, like, the JB temp- today texted me. He's like, you know, because th- there could have been a conflict with him today, and he's like, I'll let you know by 10. And I laughed because ten's when the show starts for me, and he's really oh. giving me an hour's notice. <laughs>
9: I was, I was like, oh yeah, that's funny. I was wondering why the laughing face emoji yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, well, because to me the shows were 10 to 1,
2: you know, when I'm up here. It was crazy, but anyway, yeah. I need to, I need to be more time conscious on that.
6: That's right. <laughs> we'll just have Phil cut the music on and catch your mic off.
2: Play the Oscars. <laughs>
11: we're playing and your, your time is to get, on this, get off the stage is now, JC. <laughs> Did you... You can literally very,
9: you a little bit, a little bit.
11: <laughs> Was the Oscars
6: when Will Smith got uh, walked up on stage and nice. punched Chris Rock? Yeah,
9: yeah.
2: slapped yeah. him. Didn't
6: punch, no, slapped like ago. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm on
2: Chris Rock's side of that as much as I've admired Will Smith through the years.
6: I'm along. a bit. Uh, Chris Rock's from Georgetown. I'm definitely on Chris Rock's side. He's a South Carolina boy.
2: How about if, uh, what well, Denzel Washington having to referee that too?
6: Yeah, anyway. I wouldn't mess with Denzel.
2: Hell
6: no. my God. Mm. All right. uh, We will step aside. Electric Bikes of Charleston. Man, they're everywhere now. They're everywhere. No, not today. It's cold. But next week's going to be in the 70s. We'll see them out and about again on all the beaches, mountains, beaches, everywhere. Yeah, check them out, man. ElectricBikesCharleston.com, up to 28 miles per hour. That is faster than some of the little old ladies driving the left-hand lane in the great state of South Carolina. No offense, but some of the Yankees, too, for whatever reason that may be. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll
3: be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other Bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans, where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County.
2: If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sierra Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Sirfoss, 864-414-5271. Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs.
6: Building your dream home is often just that, a dream, and sometimes a nightmare.
4: Columbia, and go Gamecocks! It's 2024,
6: and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network, but most importantly, proud supporters of you, getting healthy and
5: staying healthy.
6: From CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com, find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year.
5: Sandwiches Every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 Rescues and
6: Resin proud supporters of Carolina Rise They are also proud partners of the show They make products you can't get anywhere else Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate Make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 7 is the final hour of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Gamecock Traditions keeps us all looking good during football, basketball, baseball season, and pretty much any season, all seasons. Gamecock Traditions is a tradition. And if you don't live in Columbia or Lexington or up there near the village at Sand Hill, you can order online. GamecockTraditions.com. You don't have to be in South Carolina. Did, Did you know that? you could be in washington like the state i know we have a, a couple listeners from the pacific northwest every day you could be in new york you could be in florida you could be in chicago if they can they can get it to you up there they'll have to drop it out of the sky because there's too much snow and ice on the ground but they will ship it to your doorstep wherever you are gamecouchtraditions.com there's always 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 a discount always a deal always something on clearance at gamecocktraditions.com baseball 30 days away make sure you're looking good and warm you know how it works opening day it's always 70 the week before and then opening day comes and the high is 40 and there's light drizzle and clouds and we're all freezing cold as the gamecocks roll out the first pitches of the season matt anderson uh, back in for the final hour host of the late night gamecock show Uh, Joining us here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show that is served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. Matt, you said, uh, I just saw your note. You said you've got Yeah, so
11: you're talking about baseball season 30 days away. Um, My in-laws gave me this handy-dandy Gamecock calendar, Um, Mm -hmm. so I keep it on my desk. And I just flipped over to Wednesday, January 17th. I was a couple days behind. But the fact of the day is in 2022, Whit Merrifield became the third former South Carolina baseball player to reach the 1,000 hit milestone in Major League Baseball. Can you name the other two?
8: Hmm.
11: I don't know the answer, by the way. (laughs) So this might be something for the chat room. Let's see if we can figure this out. Mookie Wilson.
8: I
2: guess it's Adam
11: Everett. Maybe. That's another
2: good one. I'd say Mookie Wilson, Bobby Richardson. I'm going to go that way.
6: It was one, of
11: pitcher, we'll guess I guess one of those guys a pitcher, What guess? <laughs> You've got the picture. Uh, in the chat box if you guys know it, but yeah. I think Mookie's, a, you know, obviously one of them. You know, when you said that, it immediately clicked. But I don't know the other one. He just the third. Well, as of 2022, or in 2022, Whit Merrifield became the third former South Carolina baseball player to reach the 1,000 hit milestone in Major League Baseball.
6: Hmm. That is interesting. Um, hmm. All right. Yeah, I would. Th- I I would think that uh, Mookie. Uh, there might be another one from long ago. I mean, it's got. It would have to be long ago, though. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm trying to think.
2: Yeah, the Bobby Richardson did not attend the University of South Carolina.
6: No, no, he did have a thousand Bobby. hits. Um,
11: Dave Justin, Collins,
6: Justin never got to a thousand. Um, he was at nine fifty, I think, I think, or nine fifty one. I mean, he was he was like forty or fifty hits shy of a thousand, if I remember correctly, because I. I'm like, dude, you couldn't even get to a thousand hits in the big leagues, man. Brutal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, he loves, it. dude. They're in, they're in a dude. They're in a soul on planet Earth. I like getting more up in their junk than than my, than my man because he will tell you real quick exactly where you stand. He don't care. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it, it would probably. Uh, I'll, I'll have to think about that. I, guess I know would know the answer. Mookie Wilson is one. I tell you <laughs> exactly who would know the answer. Tommy Moody. That's so what Tommy, I was just thinking. Tommy would know this. Yeah, Tommy. really yeah. he would have been able to spit it out in two seconds. So Mookie is one. All right, we're, we're we'll continue to uh, to to try to figure this out. Um, Mookie Whitmerfield. Who's uh, speaking? It's not Adam. It's not Adam Everett. Is who's Brian Roberts
11: it. down there in the chat box? Did Brian Roberts do it?
6: I said Brian earlier. That was okay, one of my see. guesses. But I don't. I don't know if Brian did it or not.
11: I would Actually, think that he said he got fifteen hundred hits. Who did? It's, Brian, it's Roberts. Brian Roberts.
6: I think. Yep. But does Brian okay. count? Because he only played for Carolina for one year. Well, so did, I don't think Mookie Wilson played more than one here, did he? Yeah. Mookie played for.
2: For your, uh, your boys.
3: The well, he played as
6: part Methodist, but then he played. Um, I think it, I don't know. Maybe it is Brian. Might be. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. That's a good question. Keep it coming. That actually is not a bad thing that you, uh, you just did that. JC and I just had a little conversation this morning about, uh, some future programming around here so maybe that'll that'll contribute to some of that down the road um all right so last night in college basketball it was another night in college basketball where if you were ranked watch out now Purdue did not get upset at Indiana I thought that game be closer than it was it wasn't uh Mike Boynton continues to struggle at Oklahoma State this is this might be the last year unfortunately for Mike Boynton uh in Stillwater if they can't get it going and they can't you, get it going right now. Have you
11: heard the stat about Oklahoma State playing at Kansas? They haven't no. won there in like 30 – their last 33 tries. Really? It's, um, no, it's Oklahoma, not Oklahoma State, but still, they played yeah. over the weekend. That's a wild stat.
6: Yeah, it's uh, – well, I mean, it. yeah. yeah I, well, I would bet there's a few of those stats out there in the Big 12 with Kansas. Yeah. You know, you don't just walk into Lawrence and win. Uh, Tennessee takes down – Florida, and then from there is when the upsets began. Ninth-ranked Baylor walked into Kansas State.
4: They
6: go down, Kansas State 68-64 to uh, over the top ten Bears. Raise your hand if you put this on your bingo card, because we didn't. Uh, Penn State pulls off the stunner against 11th-ranked Wisconsin. Penn State now 9-9 nine and nine on the year, and 3-4 and four in the Big Ten, 87-83, a high-scoring affair in Happy Valley. Here's another one. We mentioned this one yesterday. It could happen. It in New Mexico was just a point shy of 100, 99 to 86, the final over Utah State. Uh, uh, you don't just walk into New Mexico and beat them in basketball. That's actually true. Uh, they are pretty good at home, 15 and three now on the season, three and two, and a very good Mountain West Conference. Cincinnati, another overtime upset in the top 25. Uh, TCU went into Cincinnati and walked out losers. The Bearcats now 13-4, and 2-2 two and two in the Big 12. And then 24th-ranked Iowa State on the road at BYU. If it's cold here, it has got to be cold in Provo, Utah. Luckily, they play the game in a gym. That didn't matter. 87-72, to 72, the final score for BYU uh, over the Cyclones. And that is what happened in the top 25 yesterday. Today, in the top 25, is 22nd-ranked Ole Miss in danger of getting beat on the road at LSU? You betcha. The Bayou Bengals are three and a half point favorites in that ball game. Mississippi State is in Rupp to take on the Wildcats, who will be in Columbia next week. Kentucky is a six and a half point favorite at home uh, over the Dogs. Eighteenth ranked Creighton is on the road at UConn today. UConn is number one in the country, and they're six and a half point favorites against the Blue Jays on Fox Sports One in Stores, Connecticut tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, elsewhere in the top 25, Louisville is at 4th uh, rank. North Carolina. Clemson once thought they were the class of the ACC. They are not. The Tar Heels are proving to be that at this point in time, 13-3 overall, but 5-0 undefeated thus far um, in conference play. Texas Tech is at Houston tonight. That's a 25-5 matchup in Houston, Texas. 13th-ranked Auburn is on the road at Vanderbilt. Vandy is 0-3, 5-11 in the, in the SEC. Now, they gave Alabama a run for their money not long ago at Memorial Gymnasium in Nashville. Auburn is playing lights-out basketball right now, maybe the best team in the league. Uh, They will uh, try to go and improve it tonight. And then uh, Southern Cal and LeBron James. Does LeBron James' kid even play, or is he hurt? I don't know, but they're at Arizona tonight. He's
2: playing, but he's not
6: not doing well. Well, they're going to get their ass beat. Arizona's going to whip them tonight on ESPN, so who cares? And that's what's going to happen today in the top 25. Matt, what happened last night? Not good. Gamecocks couldn't hit free throws. They fall at home to the Dogs. Georgia is—they have really come a long way uh, under Mike White in the last couple of years. Mm. This entire league is really good, um, uh, but that—that—that that, that one hurts. It really does because now you got to go on the road to Arkansas. Then you got Kentucky coming into town. It's a quad three loss, and uh, the Gamecocks were already—you know—they've been in, they've been out, they've been in, they've been out of these projections you really don't want to give teams a reason to leave you out that loss last night now means they need to go steal one somewhere which they're very capable of doing um, but looking back on it they got hit free throws especially when some other things aren't going right
11: yeah i mean i'm, I'm i listened to a little bit of you guys in, in dc talking about this game and, and there's not a whole lot to react rehash here i mean and just off the cuff, there should never be 44 fouls called in a 40 minute basketball game. No, that should just never happen. Asinine, you got to the 10 minute mark last night, and both teams were in the double bonus. And you know, for me, I, I, I'm just not interested in staying up till midnight to watch a free throw shooting contest because that's that's almost what it turned into. Um, down the stretch, um, Gamecocks, if they you know, if they had just hit their season average from the free throw line, they win that game by one. Um, They had made a couple more three-pointers. You know, the three-point shot has gone away um, in conference play so far. I mean, you look at conference play right now, the Gamecocks are shooting 26.5% from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to get it done when you play against the level of competition in the SEC. Uh, some quick numbers to throw at you. You know, the offense is down big time in conference play from where it stands and its overall Ken Palm ratings. You know, you had a 1114 Adjusted office, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency. Basically, that means they would score 111 points if they had 100 possessions in a game. Um, defense, you know, they 100.2 in conference. It's 106.5. So the Gamecocks have a lot of things to fix. Um, you know, the easiest one is just for the three-point ball to start going in like it was to start the season. Uh, Gamecocks, you know, surprisingly, you know, when they don't force a lot of turnovers, they get a lot of unforced turnovers. So, and the offensive rebounding numbers are still great for the Gamecocks. You know, you can squeeze some extra possessions out when you're not turning um, your opponent over as frequently as you know the Gamecocks may have done under Frank Martin. But you know, right now the Gamecocks are, uh, you know, we we didn't we said after the Alabama game this wasn't going to be oh my god the season's over still a lot to play for and, and we should say that again right now it's not oh my god the season's over or anything like that. Um, uh, you might you guys might be surprised to know this, but, you know, I just looked at Ken and I looked at Bart Torvik, two analytic websites that I look at, you know, every single day of my life during college basketball season. And and their numbers are getting better now because we're roughly halfway through the college basketball season. There's not a whole lot of numbers from, you know, past seasons that are factored in anymore. But the Gamecocks only have two more games on the schedule where they project to be a double digit underdog. You might be surprised that this Arkansas game, you know, if you look at the computer numbers, Gamecocks are one and a half point underdog. The Kentucky game at home, two and a half point underdog. If you combine the projections, so the Gamecocks still have a heck of a lot to play for. And if the if the ball can start dropping through the net at the free throw line, three point line, the Gamecocks are gonna be just fine. Um, You know, honestly, you know, you look at the law of averages. At some point, these shots are going to fall. And you know, if they fall on the right night. Now you got a Claude one win, which, you know, could happen against Kentucky next week.
6: Yeah, look, this is going to be a – it's going to – big wash. I don't have anything against Bronny James except everybody covers him and he sucks. He's not any good. He shoots 23% from long range and he averages like five points a game. So, I don't understand why the national media is so infatuated with him. Um, yeah, they got to go to Arkansas and, and Arkansas got off the schneid last night. You. you they first of all, I thought they were going to run AM out of the gym for a while. And uh, and AM ms good, man. They're they're fun to watch, and they had a chance to come back and clip them, but they couldn't get it done. Arkansas with a big bucket late to get their first league win of the year, and um, so that's that's not a very timely thing for Game Cup basketball. How much have you seen Arkansas play?
11: I haven't watched them much, you know. Maybe five minute spells here or there when I'm clicking around the the stations. Um, they're maybe a fiver for me right now, not really a dimer. Um, but you know, the analytics say that you know they're a pretty good basketball team. All things considered, mm-hmm. um, you know they have a win over what? Did they beat Duke this year? I think they have a win over Duke.
6: Yeah, they did at home. Back that, then, that's the game November. I
11: watched um, the majority of, and and they were all over Duke. Duke had no, you know, not, they couldn't do anything that night. Um, but Arkansas is a tough place to play, though. Too people right, you, yeah. don't always remember that Bud Johnson Arena or Bud Walton Arena, Bud whatever Walton. it's called. Bud is Johnson ridiculously- played for the Gamecocks, man. Easy, it's my guy. Yeah, yeah. Bud Johnson. I was a ball boy for Bud Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a tough place to play, but I don't. I like, think that Arkansas yeah, is right next to, some things uh, out. Yeah. I think Bud is yeah, was-
2: was- right next right to like Ivan Howell Court. <laughs>
6: He's six. He's six eleven, wasn't he? Wasn't Bud Johnson six eleven or six ten? Yeah, yeah, Bud. Yeah, good. Bud
2: played with the Howells, um, uh, Lower Richland or Eau Claire one, or maybe he, was he played with, Jermaine, with O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal. Yeah, 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 Jermaine O'Neal played for George. Bush. Yeah, was yeah. solid player for the game.
6: Um, yeah, he also played. If you look at Arkansas' schedule, JB,
11: um, yeah, you know, the loss to UNC Greensboro. Not a good one. I think Kentucky lost to them as well. No, no shame in losing to Memphis. No shame in losing to North Carolina. No shame in losing to Auburn, even Oklahoma. The Georgia loss, oh. we just saw what Georgia did to us. Um, Florida, you know, Florida didn't look great yesterday against Tennessee, but they've been decent so far this year. So I think that Arkansas, you look at Ken Palm, they're 89th in the country. They're better than 89th in the country. So mm-hmm. don't just look at that and say, oh, wow, this team stinks because look at their record or 10 and 7 or whatever. Yeah. Um it's going to be a tough game, Arkansas still has talent. Like they have more talent than, than South Carolina has on their roster right now. Funny enough, they have a kid named L Ellis, <laughs> kind of like Eli coming in for Gamecocks. In yeah, I time. saw that. <laughs> <L. Ellis>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something else I saw their day. That was funny. I was looking at Frank's box score against Rhode Island and obviously Rhode Island beat UMass the other night, but Rhode Island has a kid on their team. Number five, his name is always right. Just really? Absolutely cracked me up. Yeah,
9: his name's you're always right. No. no way. Always right. That's, that's too
6: funny. I have not seen that. Uh you do not pass go and may god have mercy on your soul. Yeah, it's pretty uh well, well done. Yeah, I look th- th- that's in and you're right. I mean, so there're four games in, you know. Um and like um I, there's no reason to like if you ask the question, okay, is South Carolina where you thought they'd be? Are they better than that you thought they'd be? Are they worse than you thought they'd be? I, I, I still think of everybody being honest. Nine out of ten or maybe eight out of ten, I don't know, would probably tell you uh, they're ahead of where I thought they'd be. Uh, but, like, you know, w- once you start winning games and you, you prove that you can play a little bit, you know, people, people want more, people want more. And the other thing with that loss last night is that, um, Carolina's used to beating Georgia around here. Now, last year, the dogs finally ended that streak, but that was, that wasn't here. That was in Athens, you know? So like, it's just been for what, eight years now. Oh, Georgia! We well, go back to the
11: 2015-16 season when the Gamecocks got snubbed. You know, the three losses to Georgia are what killed them that year. Um, the final one being the SEC tournament. Then after that, the Gamecocks weren't on a run against Georgia. It seemed like Frank had a personal vendetta against them. And um, Mike White's a good coach now too. Let's not let's not discredit Mike White. Um, really good coach. I think JB, you you kind of hinted at that. You talked about that when we started this conversation. Um, and Georgia, like I said, um, I can't remember if it was with you guys or, or my show, but you know, they're kind of a mirror image of South Carolina in, in a lot of ways. You know, they do play deliberate. They do, you know, play pretty good defense, you know, not elite defense, but they, they scratch and claw games out. And the Gamecocks, you know, have been in, you know, back-to-back games when you talk about you know their last two that are like that. And, and there's a lot of experience that comes with that. Um, and I know D.C. was talking about the refs, and you know normally about the six-minute mark, eight-minute mark, you know, the coaches kind of know what's going to be called a foul and what's not called a foul. You know, last night, I don't think that either team knew what was going to be called or what wasn't going to be called. I mean, the, the phantom flagrant on Michi um, was you know pretty tough for me to see. Um, I thought that Lamont probably could have got teed up if he really wanted to. to I agree message. with that.
6: I thought he – I was wondering about that towards the end yeah. of the game. I was like, this is this is kind of that opportunity. You know, you, you, you're probably going to lose at this point in time anyways. Maybe go ahead and send the message and, and get this place moving, but, you know, it, had they been up by seven or eight points with all those whistles, Matt, you'd I, you might have seen it. Uh, but they weren't, and and they really needed to win the game. So I don't I understand why he didn't.
11: It was just tough for the Gamecock fan, especially a Gamecock fan watching. It just seemed like you know, thirty two seconds went off the clock, and then a, you know a bogus foul was called with three seconds left. I mean, you know the the one the one with Michi, You know, a lot of times that guy threw up a prayer. Um, I don't really think that it was a foul, Michi, and then going to the monitor to look at it and still being a foul. I mean, then changing it to a flagrant. You know, that's where I thought Colonial Life Arena was going to erupt. I thought we were going to see bottles thrown on the floor. I thought that Lamont was going to get teed up. Did you see a flagrant there? I didn't see any foul there. I mean, there's a lot of different angles that are. What
6: What are they calling a flagrant there? What is they're they're calling it because this player was in in air.
11: Yeah. let's, Let's. Okay. So you. So what you had that basically the way I understand the rule, I don't think it was a contact. I don't think it was a push. You I think give it was, you have to allow the player to, the player to land. And so, but you know, but he left his feet after Michi had already
6: made position himself or attempted to position himself to rebound the basketball. So what are you exactly. supposed to do? Completely. Inadvertent, nothing you can do. Inadvertent contact. I mean, that, that's, I don't understand. Like, and, and let's, 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 Re clarify something here. I'm pretty sure y'all agree with this. If I'm speaking for you, jump in over me and tell me that you don't agree with me. But they did not lose the game because of bad officiating. No, it's a separate conversation. They lost the games. They couldn't hit free throws and they couldn't hit three pointers and they couldn't create good open shots when they needed to, in my opinion. That's why they lost. And they didn't rebound at certain times like they probably should have. But besides, I'm just specifically as we've moved this conversation to the officiating. The officiating in the SEC is just not good. Like, it's not. It's never good. It's not It's not good everywhere. I, w- I mean, I watch enough basketball. I mean, South Carolina aside, it's the same clown show every time you cut the TV on. It's the same dudes who I ain't mean, worth a damn. Have y'all talked about
11: Nate Oates yet
6: today on the show? No, we haven't got to that. Mm-hmm. But that was interesting. And they didn't that even was... throw a – they didn't blow a whistle on that? No, you can't nothing. Do that.
2: Nothing. That should have been a tackle on the Missouri
6: kid for coming on their bench. I mean – well, honest. it should have been double technicals is what it should have been. He tried to walk yeah, you can't, into the you huddle. Can't
11: touch a, you can't touch another team's player. I mean, I was thinking about, like, if that had happened to one of Frank's kids or if that happened to one of Lamont's kids. Let's say know. if
6: Frank
2: had touched another guy's player, I mean, th- th- that would have National
11: been, news story, uh, fine, yeah, suspended three did. games. It, it and was it wasn't t-
6: and it wasn't a touch, though. He shoved him and then out of the yeah. hot lake. Get out and of they didn't do anything home. about it. So, like, I agree with you, JC. You can't just walk into another team's uh huddle. That's that's a no no. That's a T. But then as the head coach, you can't just shove the guy out either. That should be a double technical and it's over. But I I it's all it's all getting it's it's and the the issue I have with it is that nothing is ever done about it. Nobody ever does anything about this. And when you send this stuff, we'll hear it from time to time from coaches. I think Bruce Pearl has already spoken yeah. about this this year, and you know, well, we've we've got a lot of film. We, I know Coach Paris earlier in the year. I can't remember what game it was. Y'all might remember, but now we we got a bunch of stuff we're sending to the league office. Well, what comes to that? Like, well, why don't why does anybody ever hear about it? Like, what do they do? I don't know.
11: I don't know. For a long time, I feel, and I've honestly believe this, and it'll never, never happen, but I think that the head referee needs to go to a press conference after every single game and answer questions, mm-hmm. especially in situations like this. Um, you know, when you talk about the Nate Oaks thing, you talk about, you know, the fouls and the, you know, what happened in the South Carolina game. Just explain to us what you saw, you know, what what is going to be a foul going forward? Because it, it's hard for fans to watch. It's hard for, you know, coaches to coach through, players to play through. It's just too too inconsistent all the way around. And, you know, the going to the monitor without knowing who the foul was called on, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's like Dave, I, uh,
2: it's like Dave said earlier, that guy blows the whistle and then decides what it is.
11: Uh, the I head mean,
9: reps. The reps watched more TV than were highlights created from that game. Yeah, the other side of it is, you know, the bad officiating and and overcalling created an opportunity for the Gamecocks to get the points they needed to win this game, but they couldn't convert from the free throw line. So, yeah, I mean, they gave you the opportunity this. to do so, but you
2: didn't seize it. And you got to get more free throw. I mean, Josh Gray is one thing; he's a role player. He comes off the bench. He needs to be hitting at least 50%. You can live with that. but but, And Murray Boyles is a freshman. I'm not getting on him. But they need him to be better from the foul line because dude's going to draw a lot of fouls. I mean, he he is a – I mean, every – let me just say – I'll say this. Like, as as far as finishing plays inside, he probably needs to get a little bit better. He probably needs to jump up and dunk it. A lot of times – You're talking about Josh you know, Gray right now? No, no, no. I'm talking about – no. I've been saying that about Gray for years. Um, I'm talking about Murray Boyles because <laughs> he does get blocked sometimes because he's undersized down there. But he can jump. He's on a pogo stick. Um, but that dude, if you look at just his athleticism, there's a lot of wow there, a lot of wow. And so I think as, as time goes on and he continues to play more and more, he's going to draw a lot of fouls. And You can't miss 11. I think that's what was he, four for fifteen last night?
6: Nice. Uh, he buff. was four, four for fifteen. Four, four for ten. 10. Right,
2: four for fifteen combined with Josh J- Josh
6: Gray. was over six, right? So, so yeah,
2: yeah. You over can't five, miss yeah. over five. You can't you you got you gotta at least get sixty percent in there, I think. If you're if you're and he's got a good shot. It's not like you know, I mean Colin Con-
6: Murray Boyles does a lot of stuff without the yeah, basketball. And like and the way that he's been playing with it, like around the rim, Matt, he he he's he's got a high IQ as a he's there's a reason he was he could yeah. play. Uh he's I gonna mean, be a good one. Yeah. I like it. Elite really.
2: elite passer. Go ahead.
11: Yeah. Yeah, he's He he's a smart player. There's just need to keep him away from the three point line. One of the things I like about Colin Murray Boyles is when he goes up, it's almost like if you're watching like an 80s post player when he goes to lay the ball up, because he's going up with two hands, guarding the basketball and almost pushing, you know, with the la- you know, his, his left hand, right hand, whatever hand he is. Um, it's kind of funny to watch actually, but it's just like so effective. <laughs> and yeah, you know, he's, he's strong in there. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get better. Um, you know, the big thing, you know, I don't know if we've got a report on Studi yet. Is, is Studi going to be okay? I don't know if he's David. I haven't heard anything what. yet. Yeah. But um, you know, Studi only took three, I mean, what, how many shots did he take? Six shots last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Six shots last night, two for six. Um he, he's still a pretty good defender as well. And, you know, the way the game was called, you know, who knows what have happened, but you know, if you talk about, you know, what's going to happen when those, when that film gets cut up and sent to the sec, they're going to say, well, Georgia attempted 32 free throws. Y'all attempted 32 free throws. And there was a four, four foul personal foul, you know, difference there. Um, right. and, You know, you look at the end of the game, you might pick up some ticky tack fouls trying to extend the game. Um, I mean, I'm never going to be someone that's going to come back and say, Oh my gosh, if, Lamont Paris had just made this adjustment or the players had made that shot, how things would have changed. The game ended the way it ended. You can't live in in the past there. Um, But I think everyone learned something there. I mean, big thing for me was Stephen Clark not playing at all last night. I mean, I don't know if he could have done anything defensively where B.J. Mack was struggling. I mean, that seven-foot guy just ate B.J. alive anytime they got that matchup. Um, And, you know, they got a – I don't know – it seemed like they lost some discipline towards the end of the game. We saw the same thing against Alabama. I think I'm, I was listening to y'all off and on today before I hopped on, but, you know, there's three point shots with five seconds into the shot clock, you know, in a critical moment of the game. Yeah. I mean, I heard what DC said. If it goes in, no one's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But at the same time, it still wasn't a good shot. Anyway, you slice it.
6: No. Um, I, I, yeah. I'm with you. I, I thought that that, 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 especially from BJ Mack in the way that he had been playing all game in the paint. Like he, he, he was playing well underneath the basket, Matt. Like that's, that's his game playing down there. And like, I, I know that there's some people out there that criticize him repeatedly. They think, well, guess what? He's the best you've got. So shut up and get over it. He's going to be playing every freaking game for the rest of the year. So quit barking about how damn slow he is. Like you're just nobody listens to people like that, and you're, you're talking to the air.
11: Well, it's crazy. And, and, and with at,
6: all that said, he's got he moves well. Like when he makes a move down there, he's he's quick. He could get to the yeah. basket.
11: I was looking at Evan Mia's um, player rankings. That's something you can look at for free on EvanMia.com. And the the top player on the Gamecocks basketball team this year is Talon Cooper, according to the you know the advanced analytics and metrics. BJ Max, number two, Zachary Davis is ahead of Michi Johnson. I would not have seen that coming, but just the, the way that he's able to impact the game. Um, and, you know, Michi might be a little higher if he hadn't had these kind of back-to-back. Um, Michi didn't have that bad of a game last night, but, you know, against Missouri, he did. Um, but yeah. it's just interesting how these analytics, you know, look at it. And BJ is up there. I mean, second most important player on the team, according to that metric.
6: Yeah, I, I, um, I, uh it- Meachie was playing really well. That's what. I, that's kind of what I was pointing at earlier. Is he's been hot from three point range, and if you're going to get it down the floor and you want to move the basketball and try to create an open shot, I mean, every team that the Gamecocks have played against, the best player on that team, for whatever reason, those teams can figure out a way to get that guy the ball in space and let him and let him be able to shoot. South Carolina has not done that very well recently, and they got to get back to it.
2: Uh, well, sometimes you gets out of control,
4: though.
6: I mean, fair. Well, sure, but he wasn't last night, though. Like he was, he was, no. he was locked in. I mean, he was. I mean, no. look at the three that he hit at the end of the game. You know, that's not, that's not an easy shot. Um, and he I, was locked in. If I had one kind of little coaching
2: question, I don't know if call it a criticism. Um, after Georgia did go on that, it was six. The run was sixteen to three at the time. Uga suck. I mean, it was like the only two guys on the court that were starters were like Cooper and Mac. Ugasuk was in. Davis was in. Osmonds for dunk may have been in. I don't know. I think
11: I think, um, Jacoby was in at that point too. Yeah, Jacoby um, was
2: in. And it, it, there was yeah. just like a little couple of minutes there, and I was like, because Georgia's league got bigger. And I was like, man, maybe it, maybe it was time to to go back to your gun, big guns, you know, because there was only six, seven minutes left. And so, I, but I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's it, Lamont's rotation's been pretty good, and. You know, Georgia is deep. They're probably deeper than Carolina. Uh and they were running players in and out all mm-hmm. night. Their bench scoring was excellent. So maybe maybe people were tired and you just you used just hedge your bets and try to steal some minutes and all that good stuff.
11: Well, you look at it and with thirteen forty left in the game, the Gamecocks were winning forty eight to thirty nine. That um, was the
2: yeah, that was the point they needed to get ahead by about fifteen seconds.
11: And 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 that's that is actually that was one of the moments when the rotation kind of got a little wonky and, and look, you know, to get up to that lead, your, your horses are going to get you there, but they gotta, they gotta get a breather at some point. Uh, I think one of the key points of the game was, I think in the first half, Georgia had one turnover in the first half. Um, they finished yeah. with, with, finished with eight. Um, those turnovers, you know, ha- helped the Gamecocks get to that nine point lead. And it looked like they were going to take control there. Uh, but then, you know, you look at, like I said earlier, 13, 40, the Gamecocks are up by nine. At that point, I think Georgia goes on like a five or no, they go on an eight oh run, and then Josh Gray misses five free throws in like a minute and a half of game time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, yeah,
2: and that was it was forty nine forty five, Matt. And then that's when the flagrant on Georgia happened, which I didn't necessarily yeah. agree with that call either. Uh, and so Michi goes to the line and makes one of two only yeah. miss all, all night from the free throw line for him, and then they don't score. And then Georgia gets right back in it, and so so you could have you could have gotten four or five points out of that one deal, make both your free throws, hit a bucket, you're back up eight or nine at that point, and I think it stalls Georgia's momentum. I, I thought that was a big turning point in the game as well that they they just did not capitalize on that um, on that potential four or five point possession.
11: And then you know the last ten minutes of the game, it's a free throw shooting contest, and South Carolina missed. So. Yeah. It,
6: it, Exactly, they, they couldn't knock them down uh, at all As uh, Jay Diz pointed out here He said getting home at Greenville at 2am From a midweek game is BS The second half had to have over 30 fouls uh, To your point, John Whittle just tweeted a few minutes ago There were 30 fouls called in the second half So you're on it Jay Diz And both teams were in the double bonus With more than 10 minutes left in the game There were only 14 fouls called in the first half The way the game was played in the second half Didn't change much the Whistles Did. That is from John Woodall at the Big Spur. we got to step aside for a timeout. It's one forty. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks. The show will be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit the thebarndominiumco.com. That's the thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned
1: and operated. Down here in the south. We don't always see eye to eye, while our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and Raised in the South.
6: Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles top 10 in runs scored and rbi and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the gamecocks now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business soups swing shop if your son or daughter wants to improve their game soups swing shop offers virtual lessons mike will connect with you Diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call them at 859 414 8240. Email soups swingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soups Swingshop. Play ball. <laughs>
11: this break is presented by Billy G's Carolina barbecue
5: the state newspapers 2023 winner for best catering best barbecue
11: and best food truck visit Billy G's carolinabarbecue.com for all of your catering needs
4: ladies and gentlemen here it is
6: Coby Wright from Gamecock Basketball, and you are listening to the show with JB, Bill, and JC. Go Gamecock. Well, inside the Gamecocks of the show, welcome back. Part of the Chief Sports Network. Dixie Vodka serves it. The Chief Sports Network serves up a bunch of stuff, including our programming and JC and Morgan, the late night Gamecock show. We've got our affiliates like Sports Talk, Phil Blue, and the boys. And how about Chin Music, hosted by Chad Holbrook. It is fantastic. Goodness gracious, if you haven't listened to Chad and Colin Morris and Scotty Fryer and the conversations they're having on that show, man, you're missing some really neat stuff. Chin Music is available in the Chief Sports app. We also have out-of-state affiliates as well that you can check out in there. And more is coming in 2024. JC and I had a long phone conversation about some of that. As a matter of fact, this morning, yesterday, some news popped up virtually out of nowhere. An offensive lineman is transferring, has transferred into the program. J.C. Kamar Bell, who actually began his career in the SEC, made his way to South Florida and has now made his way back up into the Southeastern Conference. We'll be joining the Gamecocks. What do we know about this kid?
2: I remember when he was an Auburn recruit, and he played at Auburn, a Colquitt County kid from South Georgia. Kind of got a fresh start at FAU, started all twelve games. I think after last season, man, <laughs> if quality offensive line wants to come. They're gonna, they're gonna bring them in. Um, and uh, this is a guy that has SEC experience, along with you know starting twelve in Conference USA last year. Uh, well, wait a minute. They're in the American now at FAU. My bad. <laughs> they left little brother FIU behind, but the team from Boca is in the American, playing for Tom Herman. Uh, um, you know, kind of in a. South Carolina has done well with those, um, you know, Portal kids. I mean, I'm sorry, the South Georgia kids lately. And so I think that's good. Um, for the Gamecocks, a, a nice pickup. He's athletic. Will he start? I don't know. But, um, you know, who knows what will happen there. I got a couple other things I want to add real quick, just chat box. Uh, there was a post on the big Pro that said Robbie is going to play baseball. That would be news to the entire baseball staff. They don't even know who he is. I know he has a background in that sport. Someone out of nowhere well, heard something I, wrong. I said,
6: no, no. I said, well, let's clarify this. A few days okay. ago, I said he was a two sport star coming out of high school. He played baseball for the Oregon Ducks. Sure. And I was interested to see if that was something that he was, you know, wanting to try to do again. Oh,
2: but I no, had no yeah.
6: And then I asked John Whittle, and John was like, no, I'm not.
2: Nah, well, I mean, this was someone that. Uh, out there on our side, it's going to play baseball.
6: Oh, and we hear this about football guys a lot. Okay, well, I didn't and, that.
2: <laughs> yeah, we hear this about football players a lot. Nine times out of ten, it, it they never, I mean, Stone Blanton, whoever else, Brandon McElwain, who actually did make the team. But people don't understand, baseball has only so many spots. You have to make the team. You know, they're not just going to, it's not like football where you can have. 85 guys and 40 walk-ons, you know, you, you, even walk-ons have to have a designated spot it sucks, but that's how it is. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think he'd have to be awfully good to make baseball Carolina. I don't think the football staff wants to play in baseball, frankly, if he's going to be the the backup quarter or in the quarterback mix. So put that to bed. Someone else asked about Justin Stepping on Miss. He doesn't have any ties to Lane Kiffin. I'd be surprised. You never know. But I, I, I think that's just another one of those – pure speculation things uh, right now. He's still coaching at Carolina recruiting uh, and all that. Not to say if the right opportunity came along, he wouldn't jump on it, but he's still at Carolina and uh, he's at Carolina. Don't, don't sit there and write down, you know, kind of like waiting for Godot. Everybody was waiting for Jimmy Smith and Rocket Sanders last year because of rumors right. uh, and insinuations. Uh, don't don't write, don't wait for Godot for Justin Steph to leave, man, because he's probably gonna be back. I mean, you know, I, I don't um, I, I know it's exciting because everybody wants to fire all ten assistants every year, but uh don't uh don't don't expect him to <laughs> to be gone unless he gets a, a better opportunity. So that's my thing right there. But uh um so anyway, yeah, Ruben Mills and full at least Carolina got Rocket Sanders out of that though, right?
11: Yeah, just just a year late. Yeah, that's (laughs) fine.
9: Not bad.
4: (laughs) Hey, uh, JB,
11: I wanted to ask you this, JB. Um, I got asked on my show, and I just don't know the answer. No one's told me. I haven't asked. Um, the Florida State transfer baseball player. Um, the way I understand it, it's you know just trying to figure out if he's eligible or not. Maybe going through some paperwork.
6: Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they're gonna certainly going to try to get him eligible. Um. You know, if this was college football, it, there'd be a big uproar about it, probably. But it's college baseball, so nobody pays attention until yeah. they bitch and whine because the game cocks aren't in Omaha in uh, June. So you don't hear the uproar until further down the road. Yeah, but
2: no, um, senators aren't calling the yeah NCAA exactly yeah See, I, he I, should he should be though because the rule changed
6: again yeah I mean, they changed the rule I, I but uh, they're the. Timeline in which the rule falls with his situation, I think, was what's in question. I think he's going to be okay, but we'll see.
2: It's weird for a kid to play one year at Florida, one year at Florida State,
0: and now South Carolina.
6: Yeah, and he's, you know, I mean, quite frankly, he's, I mean, he's, uh, look, he could help him. I mean, he'd be a guy. I mean, um, offensively, I don't think he's going to come in and swing any better than the guys they've got. And defensively, um, I don't think he'd be better defensively than the two shortstops they've got. I don't think he'd be better than Parker Nolan It's second. Yeah, he, I think you're still he, yeah. He'll it's help. Inferi- he'll help. Inf-
2: it's an inferior – it's it's something I think fans a lot of times – I think we're all guilty of this to a certain extent. We hear Florida and Florida State versus Vandy and UNC Greensboro, and we're like, oh, that guy must be good. And it's not – especially in baseball, it's not always well, the case mean, in any Wait sport. a
6: second. Yeah, I mean, hold on.
2: <laughs>
6: and I know Vandy's like a been transfer from Vandy. He, he's probably he played a little bit. Been you know, the
2: best program in college baseball the last fifteen
6: years, but it's yeah. still
2: Vandy, and it's just in yeah. people's brain because I, I think they associate Florida, Florida stale big time. You know, because Gamecock fans, no matter how many national championships yeah. Vandy wins in baseball, they'll never have an inferiority yeah, complex well, I, against I was, Vandy. That's what I was about to say. They I always will with Florida, admit. Florida State. How many
6: yeah. national championships has Florida State won in baseball? Zero. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty easy. Yeah, it's a they're like two of the winning. They're one. They're the winningest program all time. That's never won a national championship, and the one right behind them is named Clemson. So, uh, you know, it's uh
2: whatever. Don't we think what's his name? Dirt Long, Dirt or Link Jarrett? Don't we think Link Jarrett will will power the Knowles through to a uh, right. title in Omaha? I don't Link's know. A, they weren't Link's that a good. A great coach. He is yeah. a great coach. He is really good. Um, but uh, anyway yeah, I just, uh, you know. But, anyway, yeah, so, Craiger, there's your answer about the shortstop. Clint, I'm not surprised there's no changes on the defensive side. And I know there's another, like, uh, school of thought out there, a very vocal one, that they have to have a linebackers coach. I think that's overblown. I think oh, linebackers play pretty good this year, quite frankly. Uh, I think upgrading speed at that position is fine. I think the bigger issue is adjustments, adjustments, adjustments on defense. Somebody's got to figure out a way to get quicker with that in the next few years. Um, there's no excuses not to be good on defense next year. None. I agree with that. I mean, every, with every unless they have a rash of injuries, which maybe the football gods smile on Carolina, but they have enough personnel back and have added enough personnel. There's no excuse. I mean, and, and finished well enough, there's no excuse.
11: I think it's the same thing for the offensive line, JC. I think they have enough bodies there. I think that, you know, it's going to be improved.
2: I think no excuse for improved, not for being terrible or or way below average. Uh, I think, you know, they probably need, you know, is it going to be the best offensive line? And are they going to like the hogs from those great Redskins teams or, or Georgia or Bama in some years or Ohio State or Michigan in some years? Probably not. But can they be middle of the pack SEC, and you're not just sitting there worried as hell about it all the time? Absolutely. In this league, your your offensive line, and it happens at every single school because you you go to every message board. They want to fire their O line coach every single year. All of them. They want to like, fire hey, Eric Wolford at Bama. Uh,
6: yeah. Well, they did. He's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: hope he well, lands on his feet because I like Wolf. But uh, yeah. Well, look, I mean, they uh, you know it's because you're playing the best defensive lines in America week in and week out,
9: you know, America.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, everybody, Vandy may be the exception these days, but everybody's got a great defensive line in the SEC. So you gotta, you gotta be realistic, but I do think Matt, they'll, they'll be better, but the defense absolutely needs to be on warning. Like, look, this is, this has got to get better. This has got to be way more like the last three games than like the first 12 or
3: nine that
6: they play. We will see. Nothing like, uh, you know, talking about firing defensive coaches next offseason, this off season, i tell you what. I,
2: I didn't say anybody to fired. Them. I just said there's no more. I mean, this is this is a year where they should. There's no I'm, reason I'm, for them not I'm to I'm not
11: talking no, – no, I'm not talking about oh, you. Not not you. Just, oh, yeah. it's, it's the off season, <laughs> JB. You know that there's nothing to talk about, so they'll just make some stuff up. I know. I mean, no, I love the other boards. The other boards are, are hilarious. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Oh, Alabama's, a, I meant
2: to mention this too. Alabama's a complete meltdown now because they, somebody, Bud Elliott, posted a link, uh, a list of their two deep, and like 23 guys have left from the two deep and they're in the portal.
6: Well, and you know what? It's, it's, and I'm going I'm to read this. It's going to be something we're going to talk about uh, tomorrow, uh, and, and we'll certainly get into a little bit more with Mike because I know Mike will want to be a part of this conversation on Saturday. But this was tweeted out by Josh Newberg just a little while ago. And, of course, he's with on three, uh, but he's on point here. This, what's happening here, could be really good for the actual sport of college football. Uh, because of what I'm about to read you. Quote, this is from Josh Newberg. Transfer portal needs to be fixed. This situation with Alabama will cause change. Bama is penalized because they made the playoffs and Nick Saban retired afterwards. The last team to make a change gets shafted in the portal. There's simply no players left in the portal to recruit. The top, Alabama, the top available players are the ones hitting the portal from Alabama. If Saban retired on December 1st, this wouldn't be happening needs to be fixed. He went on to say, "You guys are getting too caught up with quote Alabama. If Harbaugh takes an NFL job tomorrow, Michigan is in the same situation. Their players are leaving and the transfer portal will be empty besides Michigan players. The current system needs fixing." So what he's saying is what none of us we all know it, but we don't want to hear it. And I know we're out of time, the music's going to come on in a minute and we got to go, and that's where we'll pick up on this tomorrow, but what he's saying is Nobody ever really does anything until the big dogs start biting. And right now the big dogs are being bit by a porous system, right? Like this, this is not fair to Alabama. I don't care what the narrative is. Well, good for them. You know what I'm saying? But you wouldn't be saying that if it was South Carolina. All right. So it's not good for Alabama. And it's not good for college football. And yes, unfortunately, and I think it sucks Unfortunately, when the big dogs get bitten is when things begin to change. If Alabama makes a phone call and says, this is absolutely freaking absurd, we're getting punished for being successful and our coach deciding to retire. uh, And there's nothing we can do about going and acquiring players out of the portal like everybody else. Somebody somewhere is going to start listening and paying attention. Maybe.
2: Maybe. But there's a lot of Bama hate out there. Let's we'll be like, Oh, those are the rules. You guys have benefited from the portal, haven't you? I don't know, man. Uh, Jeff Collins probably would think that Alabama needs to take their medicine because his best player walked out the door and he got fired. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I like I like Newberg a lot. He's a good friend, but uh, I don't I don't know that I agree with that. I think I think the NCAA, the one thing that Fear well, of the blue
6: bloods one thing. Fear of no, no, getting
2: sued is another.
6: Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I think
2: – It's I, the NCAA.
6: I, you're saying his, his part where he says this situation with Alabama will cause change. Everything else he's saying is right. Uh, yeah, I don't – Yeah, but that's true. what
2: I disagree with, though. I don't think it's going to change a damn thing.
9: Yeah, I don't, I don't either.
2: And, until, they, until everybody bre- – Now, this may help everybody break off and we'll have the Chip Kelly League or the Power 2 or whatever – and football will be autonomous, but it's not going to change anything with the NCA. They, they're they're beyond scared right now. Well, maybe, I mean, it, maybe the maybe most that's... common sense thing they did was say you only get one transfer, and they got sued and immediately backtracked on it because the West Virginia Attorney General wanted some Mountaineer player to be eligible and sued
6: them. Right. Sad. Something needs so. to change, but oh, without... I agree for
2: the sport. Yeah.
6: If Alabama runs out next, next year and wins six, seven games, <laughs> wow.
2: hey, hey, look, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, everybody, including our friend Brad Crawford, is chalking those. Anybody has Oklahoma preseason top fifteen? Uh, you're not looking at facts. Uh, Alabama could have their roster completely gutted. A&M lost half of that roster, dude. Yeah, A&M comes to Columbia; <laughs> those two road trips. They're going to be tough, but I'd rather play Oklahoma and Alabama this year than when they get their act together.
9: Uh, I agree with that. So, so, yeah. so let's not
2: cower in the corner like the NCAA when it comes to the game kind of schedule next year, people. We're you know, going to a, T-Town. Everybody's hey, afraid I've, of Ole Miss. Oh, my God. This dude. is it. Oh wait. oh,
6: wait. We'll have to do something very special for this. This is the 20-year anniversary from when we walked in and beat them. 20-3 oh, to wow. three, back in 2004. I was at that game. Yeah, the
2: Seville game, yeah.
6: I remember very well. Gamecock defense punched Mike Shula and his boys in the mouth, and they walked out of their 17-point winners, and they were on the way to something great till they literally physically got beat up in Clemson and didn't go to a bowl. That's what happened. Um, any uh, any parting shots, Matt Anderson?
11: Let's all go watch the new episode of True Detective and talk about it next week.
2: Oh, okay, True Detective. Good idea. I'm going to go. Uh, I just got something. Why do Illinois squirrels not freeze to death in the winter? So I'm going to read this that article find sounds out. because sounds exactly they're all over like over
10: As a matter yeah, of fact. Curious. Uh, for
6: those of you that missed the Daniel Kelly interview earlier, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, it is really, really good. Who is Daniel Kelly? Go back and listen to it, and he'll tell you who he is because we asked him at the beginning of the interview. Also, thanks to uh, David Kloniger, as always, uh, and especially you three, Matt, Mad Dog, and... Schubert. I'm JB. We'll be back tomorrow and we'll look forward to that. Have a wonderful Wednesday afternoon, built by the Barndo Co. and always live from the Cinerama Studios
4: inside the Gamecocks. We'll see you tomorrow at 11.
1: Bye, guys.